You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Review and Preview. It is a great day to be talking some sports. My name is Tom Scavetta. Join alongside my co-host, Kyle Russo. Kyle, how's it going tonight? It's going good, Tom. Uh, happy to be back. I know I took a couple weeks off just crunching out uh, the final days of my academic career uh, as a college student at Hofstra University. But um, happy to be back. Happy to be talking some sports with you here on this Wednesday evening. Absolutely. And you graduated this past Sunday yeah. with your bachelor's degree. So congratulations Appreciate on it. that. That is a big, big accomplishment. And, yeah. you know, uh, I want to do a <laughs> little journey. feature. I, I want to do a little feature segment on, on you tonight a little bit before we get started. Go ahead, um, man. I'll, listen, I'll take my flowers. I'll take right. them. So but first, folks, if you like what you watch, you want to comment in our stream and continue to watch us, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms below. We're going to leave that up for about a minute or so on Twitter, Instagram, like our Facebook page, subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. And if you have any comments on what we discussed tonight on anything, comment, comment, stream, shout out to Deanna Karens, go review, preview, also a uh, graduate just recently uh, got her master's in speech language pathology. Congratulations. But, yeah up at Mercy College, so congratulations. And James says, Kyle, super proud of you. Appreciate it, man. Super proud of you. That's our production man, James Montefusco, backstage. But not taken away from this, the Kyle Russo journey. For those of you who don't know, Kyle has been a staff member. Apologies, my laundry is absurdly going off in the background but <laughs> kyle's good. been a staff member of review and preview now for over four years and uh kyle it was interesting how you and i actually met um yeah. for those of you folks who don't know kyle was an intern of mine uh of our of my college that was back in fall of 2017 so i've known kyle for over four and a half years now and kyle you know quiet guy I believe you played football in high school, right? You played. No, football I didn't play football bit. in high school. I played when I was younger. Though. You played. You played much younger, but um, you were proposed to me as this knowledgeable football guy by my station manager, and he brought you in as an intern from uh, Comac High School. And just talk to the folks a little bit about how you and I started up and how kind of we've gotten here today. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I interned in the fall of 2017, uh, had the opportunity through my high school to intern at WCWP, which is the or was formerly known as the radio station at uh, LIU Post, and I had a wonderful time there, learned a lot of things about sports. The 
production side of things, obviously with the radio station, how guys prepared uh, weekly meetings, Monday nights, attended those, spent multiple weekends covering football games, a little bit of basketball towards the end. But after having multiple conversations with guys like, like you, Tom, of course, about sports on the side, um, you had taken over review and preview, uh, I believe, in February of um, or January of 2018, come the new year. And the the crew, along with that show, had kind of uh, moved on in a sense, you know, had other occupations, other other things to keep busy with. And, and you texted me one night is like, hey, man, you want to you want to come in? And I said, of course. And I guess things kind of sparked right then and there uh, for, for my uh, my tenure here with review and preview. Because ever since that moment, I've been a active guest and now a uh, second longest tenured participant, I guess, of Review and Preview uh, since that point in time back in 2018. So um, couldn't be more appreciative of the opportunity. And um, just to see where we've gone to where we are now, it's just, I mean, people put a number for it. Seems like a small time, but four years. It's unbelievable, yeah. man. It's unbelievable. You joined the Review and Preview on February 22nd, I believe it was. 2018 mm-hmm. officially now back at that time you were still in high school but originally you weren't committed to Hofstra at first correct no I uh so I committed to Penn State in I think it was either April or May and then after a little bit of change of heart in June I committed to recommitted back to Hofstra University and um I can say this again don't know what the opportunity would have prevailed uh, at Penn State, but I couldn't be more appreciative of the opportunities, the the people uh, that I got to know at Hofstra University. Made some unbelievable friendships. Um, was able to produce a show there for for two years on a college radio station. Which, for those of you that don't know, um, Hofstra University, uh, they're at least in my tenure, they were a two time. I know they're, a, I believe they're a three time Marconi Award winning radio station, which is one of the highest regards. Uh, that a radio station could be designated with. So absolutely an unbelievable experience. Got to work with the um, New York Islanders, the uh, Long Island Nets, the affiliate of the Brooklyn Nets, uh, their G League team. So so many opportunities that I was presented at Hofstra University. I couldn't have been more happy uh, to spend these past four years there, not only gaining an education, uh, but gaining experience as well in the field that I do uh, love so much in, uh, in sports uh, radio and television. We're thankful to call you ours now. Uh, maybe the second longest tenured member, but what's crazy is you're still the youngest. But you know, we we don't we don't view you that way. Um, as James says, Tom Kyle grew up right in front of us. Yeah, from 17 to what are you 22 now? I'm going to be 22 in June. A couple Gosh, more weeks. Not, couple you're weeks. still not 22 yet. That's insane. Nope. But uh, with how long we've known you. But um, speaking of you and you know your fandom in sports the nba playoffs are in the midst and you and i never got to touch about this i'm absolutely heartbroken about my bucks losing yeah um that was shocking to me um Mm -hmm. i thought we should have won the series without chris middleton um i i thought we were the better team without him um but i was wrong and now your miami heat are wheeling and dealing with the Boston Celtics tied two to two in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I got to tell you, Game Four wasn't looking so hot. Jimmy Butler finished with six points. What a catastrophe! The Heat starters combined for eighteen points. Yeah, it was. Uh, this has been one of the weirder series that I think that I can remember in recent um, in recent memory. I mean, because in really both in all games, 
really outside of game two by the Celtics, no team is looking so, you know, hot right now or consistent. The Miami Heat, they, they've been one of the better three-point shooting teams this, you know, NBA season. They've been absolutely horrendous in, the, in this playoffs against the Boston Celtics. I believe last game in the series, at least, uh, game four, the Heat hit a high of 14 threes, but that was on 30-something shots, which was was horrible. Before that, they had only made a high of 10 three-pointers in each of the um, first three games of that series. But in these games, the two games that the Heat have won, they've won with – at least in game one, huge injuries, huge losses uh, of Marcus Smart in that game, Al Horford in that game. Uh, and then game three, you had some tremendous performances by Jimmy Butler. Uh, not by Jimmy Butler. You had a tremendous step up of Bam Adebayo in that second half. After losing Jimmy Butler, he went down in the first half uh, with a knee contusion, and Bam Adebayo really stepped up. I'm actually surprised they won that game uh, because of the absence of Jimmy Butler because, again, he has been the – he has been the engine, the heart and soul, whatever you want to designate him as, uh, behind this Miami Heat team. Uh, when, when all odds are stacked against him, he has been the consistent performer. But in the two games that they've lost, they've lost in horrendous fashion. I, I mean, speaking of game two, they were down uh, 25 points, I think, at halftime. They lost by 25 points, 127 to 102. is one of the better defensive teams in all of basketball, the Miami Heat. And... I remember going into that game in the first quarter alone, uh, the Boston Celtics in game one, they had made like 11 three-pointers the entire game. Just in the first quarter alone of game two, they made nine. Uh, I texted Alec Walt, a uh, familiar friend of Review and Preview, and I texted him like, well, you got game two, man. It's been a good 1-1 series we got here tonight. Um, And then in game four, again, uh, they had nobody nobody step up whatsoever uh, for the Miami Heat. You watched the first – I tuned into the first couple minutes of the game – I was out, but they were down 18 to one after like the first like five, six minutes of the game. I'm like, all right, book it. Two, two series. I'll see you back in Miami for game five. They're just not looking. They're very inconsistent, Tom. When they are, when they are good, they're good. When they are not hitting their strides, it is actually scary how bad that they could be. It's actually ridiculous how bad that they could be to the point where they had to resort to the likes of Duncan Robinson, who has been a non-factor in all three series that so far this year in the playoffs to the point that he's got to be, I believe he led the Miami heat in points in this game or it might've been Victor Aldipo. He stepped up too. Aldipo, yeah. Duncan Robinson getting 23 minutes, hitting a couple three pointers here and there, but this is a guy that wasn't even a factor the first couple series. So the fact that it's two, two here and you got an opportunity to go up three, two in Miami here tonight. They're a pretty good home team. I'm hoping they can do some damage, but they're missing Tyler hero. Now uh, that's been the recent news. They won't have him for game five. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So Tyler Hero is out for you guys. Is Smart still out for the Celtics? I heard he's a game time decision officially. I think he's. I think he's playing. I think he's playing tonight. Um, yeah, according to Woj, uh, Marcus Smart and Robert Williams are both available to play tonight in Game Five. So they both will be playing, uh, but Tyler Hero will be missing uh, Game Five, which is a huge loss. Obviously, six man of the year, uh, great score off the bench. So Victor Oladipo is really going to have to solidify it. Uh, those minutes and play very, very well. Along with Duncan Robinson, I expect to get some minutes as well, especially after performing pretty well, even though it was garbage time because they were down by 24 points at halftime. Uh, he played solid in the minutes that he was given in uh, game four. And those are the only two Heat players that I think particularly played well in game yeah. number four, where Victor Oladipo and Duncan Robinson. Oladipo, obviously, with those 23 points. Duncan had 14, including four threes. Yeah. Um, you expect him to be back in the rotation 
with due to the injury or the situation with Tyler Hero, do you think he deserves to be back in the rotation? And do you think the end of game four could bode well for him the rest of this series and maybe even the playoffs? I sure hope so, right? You you would hope that'd be the case because, you know, Max Struess kind of took over his role as the as the prolific shooter, three-point shooter, because he was knocking down a bunch of shots when he got instituted into the starting lineup those last couple games against the Philadelphia 76ers. He was playing great. He had uh, in game five, I believe it was, against Sixers, he had 19 and 10, and then game six he had 20 and 11. So he was playing great. Then when he got into the series against the Boston Celtics, he hasn't been that same guy. In fact, so bad in game four, zero points, only played 14 minutes in this game. So I think that Duncan can be reinstituted. The question being, does he deserve it? I just think Eric Spolster is looking at the lineup right now. And I talked to Alec Walt uh, last week, I believe it was, or maybe the week before that, about this Miami Heat series. And I said the scariest thing about this Miami Heat team, as crazy as they have been this series in terms of uh, winning the Eastern Conference, being the number one seed, obviously, and now being here in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, as a Heat fan, um, you know, I try to be as honest as possible, not trying to be biased whatsoever. I did not want to play either Boston or Milwaukee. I thought the Heat were going to lose both these series. Because when I look at this team from top to bottom, and it's been pretty much every what everything in what I've said, is that if Jimmy Butler doesn't play out of his mind, they're not winning the game. Because you have gotten so far nothing out of Tyler Hero, and now he's not even playing. Max Struess has been inconsistent. Gabe Vincent had a nice game or two. Duncan, at that point in time, had completely fallen out of the lineup. Bam is a Bam. What I've seen from Bam, he's a he's a he's a great center, great defensive player. But when he gets matched up against Joel Embiid, he had problems. You saw that once Joel Embiid came back in the series in games three, four, five, and six, he had major problems scoring the basketball. You saw that in this series as well, up until game three, where he really showed out because he had to. But he was struggling mightily with Al Horford and Robert Williams. That was another reason why they had a lot of success because Robert Williams, I don't believe, played in Game Three um, at the Garden. So, other than those, other than Jimmy Butler, the, this team has been getting nothing out of really anybody, and that's really scary for a team that's here in the Eastern Conference Finals. You are two games away from going to the NBA Championship, the NBA Finals, and you're looking at a team right now that is severely struck with the injury bug. You're missing your six-man. Jimmy Butler's dealing with knee inflammation. Uh, Kyle Lowry is, I, I, I mean, Kyle Lowry, uh, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. He's looking like a shell of himself right now. You can't count on him offensively. Defensively, he looks flawed. And I, I just don't know going into this game five because this is so huge to win at home here tonight. Who are they counting on? And, and I don't really know mm-hmm. who you're going to count on, to be honest. Well, what's interesting to me is that Boston took down the defending champs. And by the way, Garth says, congrats, Kyle. Appreciate Appreciate the comment, Garth. And Jack Scavetta, Heat need Bam and Jimmy to show up offensively if they want to win the series. That's my little brother. Yeah. Um, Shout out to you, Jack. Actually, speaking of Florida, you just finished your freshman year of college in Florida. So congrats on that. Enjoy Um, your time, man. It flies by. That's all I got to say. He goes to college in the most haunted town in the entire United <laughs> States, St. Augustine. Flagler, right? Flagler. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Hank and Victor says, welcome back, Kyle. What's good, my guys? What's good, Hank? How you doing, LGR, man? stay tuned. Brian Attard, host of Blue Truth and Highly Opinionated, will be joining us to talk Rangers in a little bit in about 20, 30 minutes. 
But back to this series, as a Bucks fan, mm-hmm. and again, this is no knock to your Miami Heat by any means. I think you guys have an incredible team. Go ahead, man. Of course. I think the Bucks and the Celtics was the Eastern Conference Finals. I truly think so. And that has nothing to do with Miami. Yep. The Celtics won this series. Mm-hmm. The Bucks didn't lose it because they were without uh, Chris Middleton. The Celtics were without Robert Williams. They were missing pieces of their own. Yeah, their stars showed up more than the Buck stars outside of Giannis. Who was there? Drew nope. Holiday didn't show up. No, nope. nobody showed up. I mean, yeah, you could argue. Oh, well, what the series would have looked like with Chris Middleton? Well, what would the series would have looked like if Robert Williams was healthy? Because the Celtics have the interior defense to um, withstand guys like Giannis and them. But back to the Heat. Sorry, I, I don't want to go on a rant about the Bucks. No, there, listen, you're absolutely but. right. And to quickly throw a comment in there, I mean, I'll openly say watching the series as closely as I did, I mean, I and this is no knock against the Celtics whatsoever, especially because I don't want to be interpreted as my Heat are playing them. And, you know, I'm not knocking the Celtics in any way. I think, honestly, the Bucks could have finished them off in five games the way they were playing because if Giannis had somebody to pass out to, because that's Giannis's game. Giannis was driving the middle, driving the paint. The Celtics trapped him. He's passing out to nobody. You couldn't count on anybody offensively. If you have Chris Middleton standing there from behind the perimeter, you're getting some three-point buckets to go down, and that's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. So I think they would have won, I don't want to say with ease, but I think it wouldn't have gone seven games, that's for sure, uh, yeah. to say the slightest. I do agree with you, but I don't want to use that excuse. Uh, I don't like making excuses, um, uh, especially for the best player on the planet leading this team. I I think it would have taken pressure off of shooters like Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton, but it's Milwaukee's own fault for bringing back George Hill and Wesley Matthews, guys who are on, you know, they're both 35 and older. And neither of them contracts, right? What's that? Minimum contracts. Correct. Yeah. So, it was basically the 2019 team all over again, yeah. minus Eric Bledsoe and Dante DiVincenzo. That's yeah. pretty much what it was. Um, ben Cruz says, what's up? What's up, Ben? Uh, Celtics fan from Connecticut. Thank you, Ben, for commenting. Pulling for my Duke guy, Tatum. Not a C's fan, but would love to see him get a ring. I think the impact of Jason Tatum has been remarkable. His game four performance the other night was outstanding. Yeah. I mean, he was absolutely outstanding. He's been the catalyst for the Celtics team, and it's lifted up his supporting cast. Al Horford had 13 boards and four blocks. Robert Williams had five offensive rebounds. Derek White woke up, and in my personal opinion, Tatum carried the team in game four because Jalen Brown didn't have a good game. No, Jalen Brown was 5-20 from the field. Yeah, that was the thing, too. I mean, when we really break down the series, the Miami Heat, they did lose this game – uh, what was it, a final score? I think they lost, what, by 20 points, something like that? 102-82. Yeah, they lost by 20 points. But, uh, again, in this game for both teams, they both shot the ball horrendously. Boston shot the ball, like the Miami Heat, under 40%. Boston shot the three-point ball less than 24%. They were horrible. They were terrible. The difference was is that, and this was astonishing, too, because I knew that the Celtics, they were going to get some calls after Jalen Brown had made his comments saying, you know, that's usually a call in an NBA game. And, of course, then you tune into the game. And as a Heat fan, I'm thinking to myself, all right, there's going to be a lot of calls going their way tonight. But how many times are you going to get to the line? 38 free throw attempts, and they made 32 of them. That was the difference maker. That was the real difference maker. Now, granted, the Miami Heat, they didn't make a field goal. 
in the first quarter until eight minutes into the game and actually set a horrendous record, which unfortunately they own now for what I see will be a very, very long time, unfortunately, in the history books and record books, where they only made three field goals an entire first quarter. And I think it's the longest uh, period of time um, into a first quarter without scoring a field goal over the course of 25 years um, by an NBA team. So terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yeah, it's not good. And now heading into game five, I mean, what are your overall thoughts? What's what's your perspective? Do the Heat win tonight? And do the Heat win the series? I don't think the Heat win the series. And I would I would really be astonished if they won this game tonight. Uh, again, I just what you see from Boston, another guy too stepped up tremendously, Peyton Pritchard off the bench. He's been great in this Miami series specifically. I know he he also played really well in that closeout game against Milwaukee, but he's been great in this uh, in this. I'm sorry about that, Tom. He's been great in this good. Miami series um, for the Boston Celtics off the bench, especially when guys have not showed up offensively because there was a night, in fact, in that game three. Uh, you know, we talk about Tatum's game four, which was obviously tremendous and give him his credit, but had like 10 points in 40 minutes in game three. So he was terrible in that game. But the bench production between Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams has been a nice, uh, you know, stepping stone in the right direction. Was a former late first round pick who was more of a defensive guy. I think he went to Tennessee, Tennessee, more of a defensive guy coming out of college, but developed that offensive game a little bit where if you gave him the ability to shoot, he could knock down some shots. Um, but yeah, their bench has been solid. Uh, Really, again, I can't say this enough. Nothing really for the Miami Heat has been clicking with the exception of Jimmy Butler. And now you've seen him falter a little bit, uh, finishing off game four with seven points. I know he's dealing with some knee inflammation. That's what pulled him out of game three. So I don't really know what to expect from tonight because Bam has a couple of tough assignments. He's got Al Horford and Robert Williams in the middle. That's going to be very, very tough because Robert Williams has been killing him. And the perimeter shooting for the Celtics is there. It's not there for the Heat right now. If my two perimeter shooters that I got to count on are Struess, uh, Gabe Vincent, Duncan will get his minutes, and Victor Aldipo, I mean, I'm not liking the odds right now. I'm not liking the odds for tonight's game. I'm not liking the odds either. Unfortunately, I'm going to pick Boston to win tonight and, yep. win, the, and win the series in, in six. I mean, I think if they win game five, they're going back to TD Garden. There's no chance Miami pulls Agreed. that one out. Um, Agreed. Sad to say, because I'd prefer to see Miami win the series, but I think (laughs) – I'm not going to go too far ahead, but I think the winner of this year's NBA Finals could have potentially been the winner of the Bucs Celtics series, in my opinion. I know it might be a little hot take, but – No, listen. I mean, from what we're seeing from the Warriors, I mean, even though they've kind of manhandled Dallas in a sense, Dallas, with the exception, kind of – Similar situation to the Miami Heat yeah. is, uh, again, not comparing Luka Doncic to Jimmy Butler. Luka Doncic is just absolutely phenomenal. But, again, same way as if Luka doesn't show up, they don't win the game. If Jimmy Butler doesn't show up, they don't win the game. And even when those two guys do show up, they still don't win the game sometimes yeah. because they just the supporting cast has just not been helping out. And am I the only one that thinks this way? Um, I do not like the way Jason Kidd coached the fourth quarter of that game last night, they were up by 29 and they're resting Luca. And then they have to bring him back in halfway through the fourth quarter. I mean, this warriors team is never dead. In my opinion, you don't bench your starter. You don't bench your best player for, I get it. Luca was getting his rest, but 
it just seemed like Dallas was just, you know, content with the lead that they had. And I feel like sometimes people forget the Warriors are the Warriors and they could score in bunches and they played like Warriors in particular in that fourth quarter. And I think the poor fourth quarter for Dallas in game four will only but ensure that the Warriors beat them in game five. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, listen, I can't knock Jason Kidd for doing what he did only because of the fact that, like, you know, I just alluded to the same thing similar to Jimmy Butler is that, unfortunately, if you're not playing that guy 45 minutes a night, you're not going to win the game. Mm-hmm. And because he's been playing as much as he's been playing, if you want to have any chance in this series, obviously no lead is – if there's any team in the NBA where no lead is safe, that's the Golden State Warriors. But I understand the reasoning for pulling Luka Doncic a little early just because of the fact that, again – the dude needs his rest because he's he's talk about a team, talk about a guy that's carrying his whole team on his back. You know, you've been getting absolutely nothing out of guys like Maxi Kleber, guys like uh, Davis Bertans has done absolutely nothing. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and, and Brunson have had their couple of good games, but outside of those two, Dorian Finney-Smith has been absentee. They're, they're getting nothing. Reggie Bullock, I think, what, he played like 40 minutes the other night and logged zero points, something like that. Yeah. He's just, he's just getting no supporting cast whatsoever. So the guy definitely needs his rest. But, again, I would agree. I was actually surprised the way this series kind of played out that the Dallas Mavericks played them as closely as they did because there was a couple games that probably could have gone the Dallas Mavericks way if it was any other team but the Golden State Warriors because I think they're probably one of the only teams that is capable of doing what they do. Uh, but to have a 39-20 to 20 point uh, fourth quarter uh, in favor of the Golden State Warriors, it just shows you how deadly that they are and that – Likewise, agreeing with you, Tom, I think when it comes to a Game 5 scenario, uh, especially they're going to be at home too, right? Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah, it's not. I think that'll be a closeout game for the Golden State Warriors, and they'll wind up going back to the NBA Finals. I agree. Um, I just like their depth a lot more. I don't know how Dallas got to the Eastern Conference Finals, to be honest. I mean, I know what the answer is. It's Luka Doncic, but yeah. I mean, that's how special of a player he is. But. You look at his stat line last night, 30 points, 14 boards, and nine rebounds. That was essentially in three quarters, right? Um, yeah. The fourth quarter, he came back and he played half a quarter. Finney Smith, you're not getting 23 points from him again. That's not happening. No. And then Reggie Bullock had 18 points. And if you look at the plus-minus for Curry and Thompson last night, and this is what concerns me. and I, It's been a concern for me with him throughout his whole career. Steph Curry just doesn't play good defense it's not like he doesn't try he's just not great at it at this level um you're going up against a bigger guard in um luca and i know they try to switch sometimes they try to put clay on him since he's the better defender uh, mm-hmm. makes sense but um and andrew wiggins as well and andrew wiggins is one of the best defenders in the, the league yeah but, um that's such an impressive big three, but their plus minus was terrible. Curry was minus 23. Thompson was minus 22. I mean, Curry barely scratched the surface on 20 points and Clay had 12. So, you know, your top two players are combining for 32 points. That's not great at all, but again, it's only one game. They were up three, nothing. They were in Dallas. It was going to be hard to take two from Dallas in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they got one pretty much locks that they've won the series, but We've seen the Warriors blow a three-one lead once before. Yeah, listen, that's against the that's against the LeBron James. Uh, not not to say that Luka Doncic again. I, Luka Doncic, um, I think right now might be a top five, maybe even top three player in the NBA. Just the way he's kind of established himself, the way he carries himself, and the way that he is able to just dominate 
anybody in any way. You know, we talk about Andrew Wiggins, and I, again, I think he's done a good job defensively, but he's been the primary defender on Luka Doncic. It's like, you know, when the guy's dropping 40 and 30 pieces on you, it's like, what am I – If that, that means to me is that if I'm not putting any defender on him, he's going to have 50 or 60 on us. That's right. what that means to me. Mm-hmm. But, again, when I look at this game, Tom, when I see the Warriors, um, you know, you saw this in the championship runs too because th- there could have been times where they could have been 16-0 and in a playoff run. What that means, obviously, is that they could have swept every series, including the finals, how dominant that they are. But they like to toy with their opponents. They have these games where they just play down to their opponents. You look at the stat line last night. They, uh, between Clay Thompson and Steph Curry combined, they took a total of 11 three-pointers. You see one of those guys taking 11 three-pointers in an NBA contest. Not between the two of them. You don't see them doing that. Steph Curry shooting yeah. five three-pointers in a basketball game. That doesn't happen. You guys shooting double-digit three-pointers every single night. Every single night. So – do I expect that to be the same case scenario in a game five? Absolutely not. But I'll tell you this. If Luka Doncic manages to pull off a, a game five victory as well, well I mean, that would, that would be crazy. Not to say that I think that they would be able to overcome that 3-1 deficit like we're talking about how the Warriors blew in that 73-9 uh, and nine season. But uh, the testament to Luka, I mean, it, it, to really scream about how star-studded and talented that this guy is, can you imagine if he had any semblance of a supporting cast, how good this team would be and how scary this team would actually be if it wasn't just him? Mm-hmm. I agree. The Mavericks won the first round without Luka. Um, is he right? Uh, I know he missed some time. Didn't he miss the whole series, though? Did he? he missed the first three games against the uh, the Utah Jazz, but he played the final three games. I believe it was a six-game series. But I think you're right, yeah. But – Daniel, I mean, if we've learned anything about the uh, Utah Jazz, they are choke artists these last couple of years. You know, they win the Western Conference. They make it out of the first round. Or, or they're like second. They're one of the top teams in the Western Conference these last couple of years. Everybody says they're going all the way. Western Conference Finals. They make it out of the first round. They go to the second round, and they just look awful. And this year, they lost in the first round and were absolutely atrocious. Again, they were losing some of those games without Luka Doncic to the Utah Jazz. Uh, they were winning some of those games, excuse me, winning some of those games without Luka Doncic in those first three games. Um, and it really speaks volumes to just how, I don't think it speaks volumes to how good the Mavericks are. I think it just speaks volumes to how bad the Utah Jazz are mm-hmm. when it comes to playoff time. Yeah. Um, and Sean Militello, poor Luka. No, it's not Mike's heart. It's Jack Daniels, actually. Cherry Limeade. Um, yeah. Um, not really a Mike's heart guy, but uh, thank you for the comment, Sean. Really appreciate that. And Garth says, don't forget about an elite Kyrie. LeBron, don't win without, you know, talking about LeBron. and Le- LeBron was in my neighborhood this weekend. Uh, yeah, I saw that. You texted, I think you texted us or you sent us something like that. Yeah, it was this battle of the apple thing. And his son was playing in it with uh, a bunch of AAU teams like the Riverside Hawks that some of you folks might be familiar with. They were, playing cool, at, they were playing at my dad and my brother's high school um, on Senior McClancy High School. And then they were there Friday, and then they played at St. John's Prep on Saturday and Sunday. I don't know who won, who did what. I wasn't paying attention to it, but it was blowing up on my Instagram story. Just people were, were there watching. So, you know, cool stuff. I think Danny Green was there. 
Uh, Carmelo Anthony was also there. Granted, Danny Green is from Long Island, so that makes sense. And Carmelo is from Brooklyn, so <laughs> Babylon guy, Danny Green. Yeah, that is that is very not not far from you. No, about um, twenty minutes. Brunson and Dinwiddie are averaging twenty points a game in this series. Yeah, Brunson. Brunson has looked good in, in this series. He's kind of been the quiet factor that people really aren't talking about. Dinwiddie has had some good games. I think he had a game where he had like four points, which again yeah. is not really helping. I think last game he only had like ten. Mm-hmm. But again, he just needs he just needs more of a supporting cast. Uh, when I was um, again also on the Alec Walt show talking last week, I believe with Alec about the same series, the, the Mavericks versus the um, the Golden State Warriors. I said the biggest thing for them is this: is that you need to get some sort of production out of Davis Bertans and Maxi Kleber because those are essentially your two centers. And granted, they're more perimeter guys. They're probably two of the biggest guys not only for the Mavericks, but two of the biggest guys just in the series in general. You need to, them to be dominating the boards, especially because Draymond Green is is good, but he's undersized. He's not a center. He's a power forward, but plays kind of the five position because of how dominant he is defensively. Mm-hmm. But Kevon Looney is is not a very athletic center by any stretch of the imagination, and is undersized as well. So they just haven't been getting any support whatsoever outside of maybe a Dinwiddie. In some games, Bronson has been pretty good. I will give credit where credit is due, but Again, the likelihood of that sticking together as well, because there's been rumors that Bronson's going to be leaving as well. Brunson's going to be leaving as well. So we'll see what happens. But Luca definitely needs uh, – Sean is absolutely right. He definitely needs a running mate. Um, Porzingis, obviously, that didn't fit. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. He definitely needs somebody. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a nice pairing for a Luka Doncic. I don't – because he's so ball-dominant. And he's so good that he doesn't need somebody, but he needs he does need some sort of a running mate just to give a little solid production off the bench. I feel like kind of like a Pau Gasol or somebody. Like obviously not him now, but like somebody who plays to that style. That yeah, type listen, maybe. maybe if they could get a center, that would be kind of the difference maker. Maybe they'll be in the uh, the running for DeAndre Aiden potentially because I don't think he's returning to Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, but we'll, we'll see, see what happens. We'll see. Um, Hank says, yep. Uh, I also picked Warriors in five, Hank. You weren't the only one. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell. Eh, I don't know about that. Um, so the Warriors tomorrow night in game five look to become the first team since Michael Jordan's Bulls to make the NBA Finals in six years over an eight-year stretch. Remarkable. Remarkable Crazy. stuff. But we're going to transition into another sport now, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs and uh first off i want to congratulate garth's tampa bay lightning for sweeping the president's trophy champions in the florida panthers in the battle of florida for nothing clean sweep in the series andre vasilevsky is the best goalkeeper on the planet currently nuts 49 saves a two nothing winning game four he has blocked his last 88 shots faced he has seven career playoff shutouts and 57 playoff wins. Each of the goals in game four were, were scored by Pat Maroon and uh, Palat. So it's incredible. what They're such a stacked team. Kucherov has more assists in the last three postseasons than anyone has in points. Can they be stopped or is a three-peat loading? Remember, they were down 3-2 to the Maple Leafs in the first round, and now they haven't lost since. Yeah. I uh... – I think they're winning the whole thing, me personally. I think so, too. I just – because I, I said it firsthand. You know, Toronto did make it more of a competitive series than I thought it was going to be, even though 
Tampa kind of cooled down towards the end of the season. It was kind of a frightening sight, especially for a team so dominant, um, especially being back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Uh, and people were kind of feeding into the fact that it's like, oh, well, they've played so many games, they've had limited time off, especially because of how COVID has pushed back the season. Um, because if you remember, last year's season didn't end, I believe, till what, July-ish, and they came back in October or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. So limited rest time, whatever it may be. Uh, and they were dealing with injuries to big guys like Nikita Kucherov this year at some points in time. But, again, they handled Toronto. Toronto, once again, chokes, and they can't get out of the first round. And then against this Florida team, I, I just don't even know if there's words to describe what they did to this team. This was a team that was averaging the most goals per game in the NHL this season around over four goals per game. They held them to three goals total in a four-game series. Mm -hmm. So if that doesn't speak volumes to how good their defense is, because that's something that gets forgotten about. We know the offense that is at hand with guys like Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov. And we know, obviously, how Vasilevsky, he's going to do his thing Mm -hmm. um, defending uh, the net. But defensively as well, you hold the best offensive team, the most dominant offensive team this season in terms of goals per game, to three goals in an entire series, a playoff series. That speaks volumes to just I, – I, I just don't think anything's getting in their way. And now they have rest on their sides too, mm-hmm. especially because of the fact that now the Rangers just tied it up 2-2 last night. So they're going to have a couple extra days now to rest up for the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, the Lightning are a scary team. They have a lot of time off now to rest. It looks like this uh, Hurricanes-Rangers series is going to come down to the wire. Panthers did get boat race tank. That's correct. Uh, Noah Dyler's still making like a boat raced meme for me. I, I don't know <laughs> when that's going to come out, but he's such a funny guy. I know he can't join us tonight, unfortunately, in the comments, but uh, it's incredible what the Lightning were able to do. And now the Panthers are entering cap hell. They're done. They're done. They're, they're, they're not going to be at this point in the playoffs again next year. There's not a chance uh, unless by some miracle they're able to pull a rabbit out of the hat, which happens once in like a century. So, <laughs> Hey, listen, Tampa made it happen with the cap salary. Maybe they'll figure something out. Let's see. But um, we go from the first best goalies team in hockey to the potentially second best uh, goalie in hockey and his team, the New York Rangers tied up the series two to two against the Carolina hurricanes and right on cue want to bring up our special guest for the evening that attended game four last night at the garden, Brian Attard from the sports box. Hello, Brian. Thank you so much for joining us. How are Pleasure. you? How was game four? Pleasure is all on this side of the table. Gentlemen, I'm happy to have you be on review and preview tonight. <laughs> and uh, l- listen, g- game four was arguably their best start to finish game of the playoffs um not from the jump you know i think carolina might regret how they handled the end of game three because i think they might have awoken a a part of the rangers that hasn't really had to be you know there most of this year but you know i don't think carolina's built for that i don't think they want war i think they want talk and i don't think the rangers are built for talk i think they're built for war and i think that this if you look at the way game four kind of transpired, the Rangers were there and they were ready to do whatever was needed, except for, you know, Lorenz who decided to get in Truba's face for a clean hit. I might add, um, I don't, the, the series is completely different today than it was four days ago. Um, just night and day. Now, having said that guys, Carolina did lose both all the road games in Boston too. So let's not get like, yeah, you know, all, all in on right now. But if you're a Rangers fan, you gotta be happy with the way the last two games have gone. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, Kyle, as an Islanders fan, you predicted the Rangers to make the Eastern Conference Finals at the beginning of the season. That's still in play heading into Game 5 of the semis. Do you still believe in the Rangers taking down the number one seeded Hurricanes out of the Metro? I still believe there's a very possible chance of it because what I've seen from this Carolina team right now is that I think that, again, while Antti Ranta is not a bad bad goaltender by any stretch of the imagination, you see in some cases they're missing uh, Frederick Anderson, who was one of the best goaltenders in all of hockey this year and was making strides towards coming back in this series uh, but was practicing yesterday and suffered a lower body injury. So I don't even know if he's going to be playing uh, in this playoff series at all or maybe they'll have to race him back if the Rangers do wind up going 3-2 in Carolina in Game 5. But this Rangers team, the reason why I predicted that in the beginning of the season, Tom, is because all the talent is there. It's just a matter of them getting on the same page. And you're seeing that. It's just been inconsistent, right? The only constant I could see out of this Rangers team so far is Igor Shesterkin. He's the only guy throughout both series that has been showing up every single night. In some cases, the Penguins series, the defense was absentee basically almost every single game. The first couple games against the Carolina Hurricanes, you saw the defense was tremendous. They were holding them to 20 shots. And then, again, these last two games, they haven't been holding them to a limited amount of shots, but the Rangers have been winning in terms of actually putting the puck in the back of the net. But then, and Brian, maybe you'll attest to this as well again, Mm -hmm. uh, you're a very, very intelligent Ranger fan, but from Ranger fans that that are speaking about this team, you know, the the craziest thing, and it's it's mind-boggling, is that the same thing happened in the Penguin series too. When they went down the way they went down, oh, we weren't supposed to be here. This is a building year. You know, we're dealing with a lot of young guys. Same thing. You go down 2 nothing to Carolina. Young team, inconsistent. Igor's never played this many games. Now you're right back in that 2-2 situation. Now they're back on the bandwagon. They're back on the horse saying we could win this thing. And the blame that's going towards, the amount of blame that's going towards a, oh, we're young. When in all reality, the youth has been some of the best part of this team. The reason why they are struggling the way they are struggling is because for whatever the reason is, and I don't know, maybe, uh, again, maybe you could give more of an intelligent answer. Where is Artemi Panarin? Because I know this firsthand, especially being in the New York media market, reading the way I do about sports, if he does not hit that overtime shot, the, the headline on the New York Daily News is Breadman MIA. Like where, like, and it's been the same thing this series. You'll see there was even at points last night, luckily they had a big enough lead goal-wise. He, had, he was open. He had 10 feet in front of him between him and a defender. He just refused to shoot the puck. And I don't get what the reason is, considering this guy just had another 90-point season. Might be designated as, again, Chris Kreider had a hell of a season, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. But all in all, he might be the best offensive player on the team. And this is a guy that's not even bothering to shoot the puck. And I don't know what the reason is why. You know, people would say, oh, it's because he's missing a lot on his shots. That's why he's limited his shots. But th- this is not a guy that he usually capitalizes when he shoots. Yeah. So I don't, I don't get what the limitation is. I think it's right here. Yeah. I, I think that – I mean, I, and you thought that the Game 7 OT winner would have, would have gotten him out of that funk, and, and it really hasn't, for, you know, for the most part. But – Look, the playoffs are a different animal. You know, you don't get the space that you normally get in the regular season. The pressure is on. And look, to, he has not risen to the occasion outside of the biggest occasion so far. Yeah. So let's call that what it is. But no, I, I think that, you know, for it in long stretches, the veterans have been MIA. And it really wasn't until game six and seven of the Penguin series that Mika's Zibanejad came off a milk carton, that Chris Kreider came off a milk carton, and they, they were there when they needed them to be there. Yeah. 
I think, you know, he said something along the lines of, you know, I want to try some stupid shit at the blue line, but I'm not because it's the playoffs. And I wonder how much of them trying to play a more sound defensive structure is, is resulting in him, you know, doing 80% of his, uh, his abilities. I mean, he hasn't – look, they've been to you, – you know this, Tom, and you know this too – they love to pass to each other. They will pass to each other for four minutes and, and then not take a shot. Yeah. They are, they look for the perfect play like anybody's business. And the difference between, I think this team and David Quinn's team is, you know, Quinn would be in the media. Oh, we have that East West flu, yada, yada, yada. Like he can't call him out on it. Gallant just lets them do whatever they want for the most part. So it's like, like, like let the players play. There's, there's a pro and a con to that. In his case, I think that it's like, it's gripping the bat basically. Like that's, that's pretty mm-hmm. much the, the equivalent of it. And I'm as surprised as anybody that, that the big game seven winner, and that was like a seeing eye shot too. That was like a legit, you know, sniper shot that mm-hmm. didn't get him out of it. I mean, you know, is he being keyed on by the other team? That's fine. I mean, if you're going to draw coverage and someone else is going to be open, I mean, that they are scoring goals, so it's not a huge problem. But I mean, if, if, if we saw in games three and four, the same offense we saw in games one and two, it would be a much more pronounced issue. But that, I guess that's with anything else. I, I do think it's in his head or he's got some kind of injury that nobody knows about and they're not talking about. That's what I'm thinking it might be. There might be something under the rug that we don't know about uh, that could be affecting his play. But uh, a couple of comments here in the comment section. Hank says, Truba the tank. Clean hit. Yes, very clean. <laughs> Rangers in six. Did you see uh, the golf shot? I, I don't watch golf, but I saw somebody yelled Rangers in six after somebody, uh, you know, teed off. Yeah. It was wonderful. Um, I did see some of, what was it, the PGA Championship yeah, it was this the past weekend? Yeah. It is all, it's all Latin like to me because I don't watch it, but I saw yeah. a clip because it said Rangers in six. I'm like, oh, what's this? And I watched this. So and then in, was that? in game three, I mean, you talk about Tyler Mott. He, he sealed the cake in yeah. game three with the empty netter. Uh, one of the unsung heroes on this team getting him back has been incredible. He's a lightning guy. Like, you know, you think back yeah. to the way the lightning won their Stanley Cups. That third line was crucial in both of those runs. And, you know, right in, in game four, I was surprised as anybody that Kako was demoted to the fourth line. I think that was more to put Mott up than it was to put Kako down. Um, but, I mean, he's played well with Lafreniere and Hedl. I mean, the two of them together, I mean, at times – they've been driving play for this team and at parts during the penguin series it was that line with capo caco that was really center stage and mott's one of those guys like that those are the kind of guys that you need on a team that can win the stanley cup is you it can't be you know 12 panarins out there i mean panarin when he's panarin panarin but like what i mean is you need the, those glue type of guys you know Kyle, as you know, I mean, when we looked at the Islander series last year, I mean, both teams yeah. had those kind of guys. That's what it came down to. Yeah, the, the, it, listen, the fourth line for the Islanders, you saw they were missing sure. it this year. They were missing it. Absolutely. I mean, that's – in this time of year, like when, when it – and you saw a lot of that too, I think. I think it was most exemplified in game two where the Rangers' power play has been such a weapon all year. Huge weapon. I mean, there's a, one of the big reasons they are where they are. And Carolina was very aggressive. They did not let them get set up. And that was a game the Rangers got shut out. So, thankfully – they were able to get it going in games three and four, but that those kind of guys make all the difference this time of year. And Tyler Mott, you know, I would love to see them bring him back. Same with Andrew Kopp. Ryan Strome can go somewhere mm-hmm. else. But uh, the, the the trade deadline additions, like it's reminiscent of 94 in that they brought mm-hmm. guys in that, you know, did they overpay in some cases? Maybe a little bit for Kopp, but whatever. But the, you, you know, you can lose trades and win something, but they fit in perfectly. So, you, you really, I mean, Chris Drury, you know, tip your hat to him. I mean, they, they did everything right at the deadline. 
they did the addition of Andrew Kopp was huge in game four, had one goal, two assists in the Rangers four, one win Igor with 30 saves. I mean, Matrano got a piece of the pie, Adam Fox. I mean, they struck quickly scored goals in the first period, Mika in the second, but Daniel brings up a good question. Do you have any worry? I know you touched on Kako a little bit, but Lafreniere again, another young player. He, he is coming into his own in a big way in, the, in these playoffs. I mean, somebody I saw gave him a little comparison to Brad Marchand and the way he's getting under people's skin. I mean, look, that, that they're playing very, very well. Yeah. You know, a lot comes up about Lafreniere and Kako. And I was like, you know, why aren't they doing what a McKinnon does or any of these other, you know, top flight picks? And David Quinn on a podcast, I want to say it was like last winter or last, whatever it was, it was coming into last season. And he's like, you know, those guys are going to be fine. Usually those one and two picks end up on teams that are god-awful. And as a result, they end up getting those top six minutes at power play time. You know, Lafreniere leads the team in the season of 5-1-5 goals. Not, not a single one on the power play because they don't get the power play time. Because you have Panarin and Kreider and Zabandajet and Strom and Fox and guys that you just slot in higher spots. Whereas, you know, Tim Stutzel in Ottawa gets all the power play time because who else is going to get the power play time? So – I don't worry about them. You know, if anything, from a cap perspective, the fact that Kako hasn't really broken out is a good thing because they can actually give him a contract that's not insane mm-hmm. the way you look at like what the Devils have done with Jack Hughes. And he's earned it, don't get me wrong. But these young guys are getting paid much more quickly. And for a team like the Rangers, who is going to run into cap problems sooner than later, getting him on a low-money deal is going to be huge. I, I don't worry about them at all because they're still 21, 22 years old. And I think that yeah. – I think the NFL draft specifically has like conditioned us to expect production immediately. You know, how many guys even at their age make the team? I mean, if you go back to Kako's draft year, I'm sure half the first round not even played a game yet. So I, I don't get too worried. I mean, they're, they're in the right spots, and I love what I've seen from Lafreniere. And frankly, at game one, I know Kako missed a wide open net. He was their best player. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't worry about it at all. They, they, they'll take their time. I'm not concerned. What, what I will say about it is this, because I've actually had the same conversation, because Lafreniere, I don't think that's, that's an issue or a cause for concern whatsoever. But Kako, Brian, to, to piggyback on based on what you said, the only way that worry comes into the mind is that with a team as deep as the Rangers, I don't think that he's ever going to get the opportunity. That's why I would say worry, is that, again, it's not because of the fact that he's a second overall pick, he's a bust, he might be looked at in this draft class, whatever it may be, but he may be viewed that way from an outsider's perspective because you guys closely as Ranger fans know it firsthand is that he's probably never going to get the opportunity on this team. And that's the reason why he might be labeled as that. Well, here's the thing too. I mean, really he has a more open path than Lafreniere does because Lafreniere is your third left wing right now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. those guys are locked in for a long period of time. So unless Lafreniere goes to the right, he's not going to get top six minutes ever. And that is, that is a bit of a concern, but th- the way I look at it for both of these guys is they were the obvious picks. Yeah. Because the Devils made this pick for them when they took Jack Hughes. If they took Kako Kako, the Rangers take Jack Hughes. So if every if, if Kako were to bust, honestly, I don't care because then the world got it wrong. It wasn't that the Rangers, in their infinite wisdom, went and took a guy like a Hugh Jessamine or the litany of guys they used to take, which were god-awful, never even made it, because that was their bright idea. Leos Anderson, another example. Consensus number two, universal number two, could have gone one by some – 
If the world gets it wrong, it's not your fault. I go back to Nolan Patrick in Philadelphia. He was the he was a consensus top two pick. Do I blame the Flyers for getting it wrong? No, I would love to. I hate them. But to be fair, if everybody says this is a top two pick, you'd be the idiot to, and put your neck out there to not take that play. So yeah. I, I don't I don't fault the teams for the the guys who, you know, earned it. I mean, and, and really in many cases, look that. I would have loved to have Jack Hughes because Lafreniere and Cocker are both wings and this team has a long-term center problem. So Quinton Byfield would have been a great pick, but you can't pass up Lafreniere. It's just the, just the way the breaks work. Yeah. It's, it's an excellent point. I think both of those players have made really solid contributions to the team in their early years. And Savior here with a comment, Panarin actually played a very good game for, he was skating and passing. He just needs a little luck. Um, yeah, I mean, he's right though. But to his point, like you thought, w- w- look, it's like baseball, right? Like when you're in a slump, you're in a slump. But if you like bust out of it, like you get, you get hot. Yeah. I just thought that him getting that goal in game seven was going to be like the launching pad. And I felt really good about mm-hmm. him coming into the series as a result. It hasn't really materialized, but well, they're not down three one. I mean, could it going to be a difference in games one and two? It is what it is. I mean, they yeah. played well enough to win. I think both of those games, at least defensively. Again, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. You know, I, Kyle, to your point about Rangers fans jumping on and off the bandwagon, I, I don't necessarily think that it's that because I did not expect them to win this series. I thought they'd beat Pittsburgh. I thought they'd get by Pittsburgh coming into that series, and it, they, you know, drain you to get out to get bad Pittsburgh. I didn't think they'd beat Carolina. I mean, I, I I try my best to balance my fandom with my just my my gut and my my thoughts. I, I think mm-hmm. the world of Carolina. So the yeah. fact that we're here right now in a 2-2 series as well as they've played i am pleasantly surprised if they find a way to get through this team they're facing tampa bay who hasn't lost a playoff series in the last 10 i mean yeah am i going to go in that series expecting the rangers to win no probably not would i be happy if they did absolutely mm-hmm. so i don't necessarily know that it's jumping on and off the bandwagon it's like you're you're kind of adjusting to what you see because yeah that's i think that's the better way of phrasing it because again uh, brian to, to add on to that as well is that again Looking at the series, my assumption with this series against Carolina was this, is that you knew that you weren't going to have Anderson going in. So Ronta, Ronta's not a bad goalie, but again, it's, it's another backup you're playing against. Yeah. On top of the fact him. that Carolina is a little familiar face as well. Yeah. But again, Carolina being a more defensive-heavy team, the Rangers, if they were able to get the puck in the back of the net, again, I don't know if the Carolina necessarily had the offense to necessarily compete with this Ranger team. You saw that in games three and four, is that Carolina has struggled mightily, especially – knowing that Igor Shesterkin in net also plays a huge factor in what goes in the back of the net for the opposing team. The problem that I see is, again, in those first two games, is that as great as defensively as they played, they were getting outplayed to the point where really only in that third period where they completely yeah. fell apart. But, again, Brian, like you alluded to as well, seeing it before your own eyes, right? Because after that game two, especially with game two, because that was the one I was kind of uh, pointing to with Artemi Panarin, which I thought was a really big concern. Like 20 minutes, didn't even have a single shot on goal. Yeah. He's not even attempting to shoot at the net. But, but after winning games three and four, you're looking back at a Ranger fan, and looking back as a Ranger fan, you're saying to yourself, well, I didn't think we were going to be here. We're winning without this guy, so let's just see how this plays out. This year has such a different feel than like 15 did because when they lost to Tampa in 15, which I mentioned in my commercial, if anybody's seen it on MSG, that I bought my house that day, It felt like the music died. Like I felt like that was the end. Whereas I don't think this is the best iteration of the Rangers you're going to see. This is just the beginning. So it's, it's not, I don't use the word house money by any stretch of the imagination. You've earned your spot to get to this point. Mm -hmm. 
I would not be surprised they lost this series. I would not be surprised they lost the next series. And God willing, they got to the finals and it's Colorado. That might be extremely difficult to watch because Colorado is a buzzsaw. But it's not like we think this is the last best shot. So I don't know if that, like from a mental perspective, like affects the way you look at it because you're assuming right or wrong you're going to get to this point a couple of times in the next couple of years because you've, sure. you've positioned yourself to do it. I think if, if, if we were having this exact conversation, this exact situation with the 15 team, a lot more angst, frankly, because again, mm-hmm. you, you see the writing on the wall. You're like, well, how many more times? That was the end of their window. We didn't know it at the time, or we kind of thought maybe, but like this is the, the, the window just opened for the Rangers. So it's, I think it, you just feel differently about it because you know – there's probably better still to come in future years. So this is, if if they don't get it done here, you didn't expect them to anyway. So you can't really, when they lost in 15, huge disappointment because you expected them to go further because they'd gone further the year before and they got better supposedly in that off season. So I don't, like I said, I don't think it's bandwagon jumping. I don't think it's anything other than we probably came into the series thinking they were going to lose. They're playing better than we, I, Tom, I mean, the, the yeah. Rangers playing this good defensively the first couple of games, I never, I would have Shocking. never predicted yeah. that. They relied on Igor, and that's fine. Like, he's part of the team. He's a player mm-hmm. on the team, right? But, I mean, they really, like, clamp it down. In, in they have. Too. And, so, you know. To your point, though, I mean, I think I went in. I picked the Canes in six. Now I'm going to go Canes in, in seven. Only because, yeah, they, they've lost every road game in the playoffs, but they've also won every home game in the playoffs, and they have the home ice. Now, is this a different Rangers team going back to Carolina in Game 5? Yes. They have the momentum in this series now. Carolina does not. The thing for me is if the Rangers were going to win this series, they had to take one of the first two in Carolina, and they were unable to do that. They had the lead in Game 1 up until the very end. They they were controlling that game, and then Carolina got hot at the end, and that speaks volumes to how good of a team they are. They can turn the Jets on for two minutes and win a hockey game like that, where Brian Dable smashing his TV, TV at home, which by, which, by the way, I mean, you want to talk about energy, the yeah. amount of local support from other New York sports teams is incredible. I know Hank sends me pictures every night. He's there. <laughs> yeah. Dable's 5-0 and oh in, the, yeah. in the playoffs for the Rangers when he's yeah. in attendance. I don't know if he's a good luck charm or something. I, but I mean, I'm 3-0 I'm and oh for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you know. I mean, you listen, don't listen, love it, Tom, you don't Hopefully, some it. of that. <laughs> hopefully, some of that winning luck could translate onto the football field this season for our Giants. Well, well, sticking to the Rangers, though. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not a Giants fan. I don't hate the Giants, though, so yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't mind it at all. Yeah. See, I feel the same about. I can't say I feel exactly the same about the Cowboys, but there, there's much less animosity towards them than the. There's there's levels to it. <laughs> there are levels to it, and I was mad about seven years ago. I went to Dunkin' Donuts, which you wouldn't see me there. Is a mistake <laughs> number one for doing this, and I feel like this might be the reason why you like Starbucks. Maybe it's a little far fetched, but they had he freeze a little bit. A logo, yeah, you froze a little bit. on the coffee, yeah, in New York, and I, I'm sure they do it down there too. You get flyers, you yeah. Get I, I mean, I. I just swipe Brian's a Starbucks. I just, I, 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 I just, I just buy the coffee that I, that is good. I don't really like Dunkin' yeah. Coffee, but that's not there. Not for tonight's show. Anyway. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, look. In my personal opinion, I think the Rangers win Game Six regardless. So it just depends what happens in Game Five. They have all the momentum in the world. Carolina is on their heels, and I think they're more on their heels now than they were 
against Boston. I, I don't think like, the Rangers just seem like they've, they've come to another level mm-hmm. that you probably didn't think that they had, that, that they're finding ways to win in ways that you haven't seen them win before. Nobody I think expected them to play. No. Them. And it, you think that you think that the one time they beat Carolina this year was when Georgiev stole. Okay, you did Kyle. <laughs> well, let's Sorry to interrupt you. No, I, I, I mean, to, and to be, to be fair, right. People probably called you nuts when you said they were going to go that far. Right. Oh, I, I, I did. People, people thought I was insane for thinking it. I just, my thing was this. And then Brian, throw back to you right after this. Yeah. I just thought that they were too talented not to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. That was just me. The only thing that they had against them, especially because you look at last season, I watched that team you know, closely as well because I have a buddy who loves the Rangers. The only thing working against them last season, again, a multitude of COVID stints. Uh, you had some injuries. You had Artemi Panarin that week, two weeks, whatever it was. He had a little uh, situation. And the fact that Quinn was horrendous as a coach. But when you bring in Gallant, and you have all these guys, you're gaining some chemistry. And then you add in the fact that, you know, you get through a couple months of the season and Kreider looks like a god. You know, he doesn't just have a two-month stretch. It's a whole season stretch. You say to yourself, well, how does how, who's going to beat this team when it comes down the stretch if they're performing at this level? And I didn't think that there was going to be a team. When I think back to last year, and I mentioned this on Blue Truth, and someone said, you know, I never thought about it that way, and you're exactly right. Last year was pretty much... 40 some odd games of playoff type hockey that it was like nuclear war. Cause it's the teams that hate you and you hate them and you're just playing them over and over and over again. And there's no break. You don't get that trip to LA and Anaheim and San Jose. You don't get those, you know, when, when the, when the Kraken come in or the wild come in like teams that you don't have the animosity against. And last year's Ranger team wasn't really built for it. And I think that that was a big reason why it went down the way it went down. It was a very tough division last year. They addressed that in the offseason in a big way. And look, I was critical of it. I'm like, you know, you're getting Ryan Reeves, who can't even skate anymore. You're paying Barkley Goodrow all this money for six years. Like, are you over-adjusting to what was probably a very contained year that wouldn't happen again? I'm happily wrong about that. I'm wrong all the time. What the hell do I care? But here's where we are. So, but at the start of the season, they were relying on their goaltending and there's been times when they've done that, but they, the deadline additions were, 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 were good and it's working out well. And yeah, even just to, to, to Sass point here, it's he, the, you know, it, it's kind of weird, right? But they probably saw their own demise. I mean, the games three and four against Pittsburgh could not have gone any worse, right? They just could not have gone any, any worse. And it was like, this, is this really how we want to end the year? And they've been a whole different team since then. I mean, maybe like game five, they came out a little bit slow, but like they found a way, like the team always finds a way and you'd rather not find a way. Cause that means that you're putting yourself behind the eight ball, but they find a way. And I don't think that they're going to go away easily. Even if they lose game five, like I said, they're, they're going to win game six. The question is, could they, could they win a seventh game in Carolina? Again, if, if Carolina wants to play a heavy game, I don't think they're built to do that. I think they're an extremely well-coached team. I think they're very good. I mean, it's it's going to take everything the Rangers have to get by them if they do. But at this point, I, I don't see why they can't because they, yeah. they, they're playing a completely different way than – and you always knew Carolina was going to be different, a different animal than Pittsburgh. I mean, these are the two teams in the in the league this year that allowed the least amount of goals. Carolina more because of their structure, the Rangers because of their goaltender, and that's the difference. Like, even if I mean, me personally, I actually want you to go through your guys' take on this. I think Tampa would rather play Carolina than the Rangers because Tampa's gone through average goaltending at best to this point. 
they haven't come across a team with a goalie who can steal the game on his own. Very Lundqvist-esque, if you ask me. So I think Tampa would rather face the devil that they know in Carolina, who they beat last year, than the devil that they don't. And frankly, again, I'm not, I'm not saying the Rangers are going to beat Carolina, but I'm just thinking two steps ahead. The Rangers owe them one from 2015. So that would be an interesting subplot to that one. But I do think that Tampa would rather play Carolina because the Rangers can play that kind of game. I, would, I, I agree with you 100%. And it's not just because of the defensive structure or, or even the goalie structure. It's because of the fact that I think when I really analyze these teams, really the exception of the Boston series, Carolina, not one of these games, has really shown you that they're competent in terms of scoring right now. Like they haven't been able to score. And it's because the Rangers defense, again, Igor Shesterkin is going to do his thing. That's guaranteed. He's playing up to that Vasilevsky level, that Henrik Lundqvist-esque level, Brian, mm-hmm. what you're talking about. But you know, at least with them, is that even if the defense is okay, you know, subpar, whatever it is, that team is capable of scoring if they're hot. In fact, at a high pace. Carolina, I don't think they're capable of doing that, at least from what they've shown so far. Power play has been ice yeah. cold for them. Knock on wood, it needs to stay it there. Has. But it's been – it's really – and Barry Melra said this. I was I hate ESPN, but I happened to be on – I was looking for highlights when I got home from the game. And he said, you know, that can be such a deflator. Like when you get that power play – I mean, I think back to the Penguin series when obviously the officiating was completely one-sided, which is mm-hmm. not a surprise – that you were just, oh my God, the Pittsburgh's on the power play. This is going to be terrible. It's going to go, you know, they're going to get scored on. You don't fear that as much with Carolina. And a lot of mm-hmm. that's because Carolina has just not been good on the power play. Now, having said that, I'm because I said that they're going to score three goals tomorrow night in the power play, <laughs> but it's, it hasn't been an issue. And like mm-hmm. the officiating, I think, has been okay in this series. It hasn't really been great. It was better than Pittsburgh series, obviously, but. If that's their biggest thing, like if they get one, I think that they can avalanche into more. But I think mm-hmm. it's like they got to like get one. And every time the Rangers kill one, like it really just made, it's just like talk about talk about gripping the bat. They're gripping the bat hard on their fan advantage. I think there's two sides to it. But if you want my take, sure. if I'm the lightning, I'd rather play the Hurricanes because the Rangers have gotten the momentum against the uh, Hur- the Hurricanes at this point. And you talk about the unknown, the uncertainty, a young team that really has nothing to lose at this point, right? Um, and regardless of who wins, I'm pretty sure whoever wins this series gets the home ice advantage over the Lightning yes, due to correct. seeding because yeah. the Lightning were the three seed and they're the division the res- respectively. But the Rangers, what they did getting cop. Mod is back. Igor is playing lights out. We saw what happened in 2019 with Jordan Bennington. Nobody expected that to happen. A lot of people and a lot of like neutral fans, like people who aren't Rangers fans, are saying Igor is the second best goalie currently in the National Hockey League already. Um, that could be a bit of a stretch in some regards, but it could be very true. And that's what could carry the Rangers as far as, as they can, and I think the Lightning are somewhat afraid, not maybe not afraid, but concerned about seeing a goaltender that plays nearly to the caliber as theirs. And this is where we bring in the Lightning fans' opinion in the comments section, Garth Michael Patrick. As a neutral in this in this, Rangers have a very good chance of winning the series. Kane's atrocious on the road. Eventually that'll catch up. I agree, Brian. I said to Tom, Igor can keep them in any game that they play. I'd rather us play Carolina. Yeah. So there's the take we've, from the source itself. 
we've seen this movie before that like the, like the Rangers with less talented teams have gone further. Yeah. So if you again, I'm not listen. This this, this is not a heretic statement. He's not Hank yet, but he's on the trajectory. If you put them on somewhat equal path, again, the Rangers went further with a lot less talented group of players and that goaltender. So the the funny thing about it, really, and this is just they're they're young, they're young, they're young. Yes and no, because they're the, because the cornerstones of the team are pushing thirty. So yes, they're young in areas. They're young most of their defense and most of their middle six. But you know, Panarin's twenty nine, Zibby's twenty eight, Kreider's thirty. So you know. I, 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 from a from a salary cap perspective, I said coming into the year, I wasn't predicting it, but this was their best chance to win before Fox's deal hit and before Zibanejad's deal hit because they were faded companies. They were going to happen. But again, I will tell you, I, this is not the best group you're going to see. And they still have more kids that are coming. You know, you still haven't seen Zach Jones take a spot on this team. You still haven't seen Brennan Othman, who was tearing up the OHL. Like, they have more talent coming. It's just going to be trying to manage salary cap. Mm-hmm. So they'll figure it out. Yep. But – Again, it's they're a scary team because Carolina would walk into that series with expectations. They won their division. They should have done something last year. Yep. The Rangers are not supposed to be here. <laughs> Kyle, with all due respect to your prediction, they're not supposed to be here. I mean, yeah, they could have got by Pittsburgh, but they should not be in this. I thought they'd lose a series in five. I'm, I, for, I flat out tell you that. I thought they'd win game three and they'd lose four and five. They won game four. So I'll, I'll say this, oh. looking, to, looking to how they've played, right, and seeing how they played Pittsburgh again, took seven games, whatever, looking how this series is planning out, I'll say this. Obviously, you don't know this going into the game, but seeing how it is unfolded, can you imagine what the series would be like if these key cornerstone pieces were actually showing up offensively like a Panarin's event? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like these, these, this would be five, six games, close the book, be done. Like we might even be talking about a Rangers playing a Tampa Bay Lightning right now especially the way Carolina cannot put the puck in the back of the net if these pieces were actually showing up. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. I mean, and, and like I said, that, that the Penguin series was iffy. It was too yeah. iffy. So it wasn't until the cornerstones came through when they needed to. And again, yeah. you know, one thing about this team, they get their backs against the wall, but they do not quit. That's not just a hashtag. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's – it's legit. <laughs> like that's just not a saying on the rally. No, I, that that means something. It's it. I, brilliant marketing. Whoever thought of it, but it actually embodies the team, and yeah. they're never out of it. And that's the difference. Yeah. I remember because we were having conversations. So I I missed one game seven, one playoff game actually in my adult life because my buddy was getting married. Of course, it had to be game seven against Washington, where they ended up winning two to one. Not not twenty fifteen. It was twenty it was twenty twelve. But I remember those years where when the Rangers went down one nothing, it was over. Like you did not think that the Brian Boyles of the world or we're going to, you know, put one in. And, and then, you know, the black and blue shirts from 2012 that won the president's trophy. Remember, they were down after game five to Ottawa and they were down to, to, to Washington. And they ended up losing to New Jersey. It was a disaster. But like those teams couldn't score. Like this team can score on top of their goaltending. And that's Sherry. the difference is Igor can steal it for you, but they have not had a power play like this in a very long time. And Adam Fox, you know, like Barry Melrose said, like he sees a lot of correlations with this team in 94. And I think if you like take a step and say, like, you know, try, try to cross reference, like, okay, so Criders are Adam Graves. 
and Foxy is your, is your Brian Leach, and Lindgren is your Jeff Bukaboom, and I don't know, Justin Braun's your Jay Wells. You, you start drawing the correlations to it. I see some of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, a little early. But, again, I, I, I didn't think they'd win this series. They might. I don't think they'd beat Tampa Bay. They might because they're not supposed to be here. And I don't think they would – I don't think they look at Tampa Bay and say, you know, we're screwed. Like, I don't think that they know what that, – that, that, that's not in their DNA. Like, it's, it's – it's, look, you talk about teams of destiny. Like, I'm not going to – I'm not going to sit here and say that. I'm not, I'm not that, that way. But, like, the people that do, you can kind of see, like, where they're coming from because, look, you were down 3-1 to Pittsburgh – you were down two goals in game five and you found a way you were down two goals in game six. You found a way you were down a goal in the third period, a seventh game at home. You tied it. You found a way in overtime. Like they just find ways. I prefer yeah. you didn't have to find a way, but if you find a way, it's okay. Yeah. Um, a win is a win at the end of the day. I, they, and, they, don't ask, they, don't, they don't ask, they don't ask how they ask how many. So nobody expected the blues to be, I hate to keep using that reference. No, the I, blues yeah. three years ago, nobody expected to be there. And speaking of the blues, if they lose tonight, which, they might. You're talking about a one in six chance, guys. A one in six chance. Um, and Brian, I, I, uh, I, what is Rangers, your what is your prediction at this point for this series? It's game five. They win game five. They win game six. If yeah. they lose game five, they still win game six. And I'm still going to take. I will take Igor in a one game playoff. Now, so right now, I think the Rangers win the series. Now, I look. I have an implicit bias that I'd like to tell you I don't, but I do. Um, Carolina's a very good hockey team. Carolina should win this series. Whether they do or not, we'll see. Tampa's a whole different animal if they get there. I think that's going to be, <laughs> yeah, you know. However, if you are a Rangers fan and you and you have aspirations of going having a, a Canyon of Heroes parade, you really want Edmonton or Calgary to be Colorado. You want Colorado as far out of this thing as possible by somebody else's because when the Rangers play Colorado this year, that was not pretty. <laughs> They got lamb based. Those are football scores. Like they got lamb based. Yeah. So again, I, I I I try to balance my fandom with my analysis. I just how I am. I I'm surprised they're playing this well. I'm very extremely happy about it. But of I'm course, surprised yeah. they're playing this well. The uh, Tom, because you keep on you, uh, using the Blues comparison. If I've learned anything in sports these last couple of years, the scariest thing about any team in any playoff scenario is not the team that necessarily has the most experience. But it's a team that has nothing to lose. You know, you look at the Bengals, right? They were a team mm-hmm. that wasn't supposed to be mm-hmm. here. Look how far they went. Oh, yeah. You look at the uh, the Atlanta Braves last year winning the World Series. They lost Ronald Acuna Jr. in June to an ACL tear, lost Marcelo Zuna, two of their best players uh, off the field allegations, won the World Series, used the Blues, used the Washington Nationals back in 19 when they won the World Series. They were a Trent Grisham against the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, mistaking the outfield away from being eliminated in round one in a wild card scenario. They won the World Series. Uh, basketball, you look at the Boston Celtics this year, right? They were the worst. They were one of the worst teams in basketball midway through the season, had one of the best turnarounds ever. And now they're two games away from going to the NBA finals. And some are favoring them to win the whole thing. If they do make it there, look, the scariest teams are the ones that have nothing to lose to, to, to be as fair as possible. Like I was dreading it, but the Islanders are last year. I mean, yeah. that Listen, I'll stick to my word, Brian, again, cause this is what, you know, as an Islander fan, uh, I'll stick true to my belief. They win that series against Tampa. I think they win the whole thing. That's a, you're a, a million percent right. They were a goal away. Now I like to I like to needle my Islander fan friends and say, man, like if I was a if if that were me, I I that would just eat at my soul like forever. It's, listen, smile. Brian, it's not even it's not even the fact that it's a goal away. It's the fact that in a game seven scenario, 
the only shorthanded goal you give up the yeah. entire season in a game yeah. seven, and notably knowing that you probably would have won the whole thing. They that's it, it, it bothers me to this day. It, it, I, I, look, n- nothing personal. It will it will bother you for a very long time. Like I hey, listen, the only way to get rid of something like that is winning the whole thing. Win something, that's it. Yeah. I was having this discussion today. Is like you know my, one of my friends who's like a. You know, he's like a big. He's more of a football fan than anything else. But yeah. you know, I, I say that I look back on the Rangers' run from twelve to fifteen with nothing but regret. And they're like, "Well, how can you regret them? You had no control over." I said, "Because they had this wonderful advantage over the rest of the league by some miracle. They found a Hall of Fame goaltender in the seventh round that nobody even knew. Yeah, and they couldn't do enough to put anybody around him to get over the hump. So I look at it with regret. Mm-hmm. Of course, as, as an as an Islander, I don't know how far. I don't know when they get back." I don't know that that wasn't like lightning in a bottle, pardon the pun, because I, I – look, my takes on the Islanders always get ripped because I'm a Ranger fan. Like, oh, you're just, you're just a Ranger fan. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. I didn't think they didn't get playoffs this year, and I was right about that because I just – despite the fact that a huge road thing to start the year, it's not an overly talented team. Great playoff setup team, but like you have to get there. So, yeah, it's a good point. and I don't know with the coaching and everything else to me, like when you say you need a new voice and then you hire the guy who was the second voice, it doesn't really jive with what you're saying. Neither here nor there, but yeah. I, I need to get, again, I don't, I don't know that they'd beat Tampa. I think that they'd put a scare into Tampa. I, I don't, I don't think that they, they wouldn't lie down for Tampa. hundred uh, percent. I'll ask you this, Brian, real quick. Cause I know we're trying to close out the Rangers talk I, as well. I, have all my, I'm, I'm, I, just, I am they, here for you. They do. Let's say they do beat. They beat Carolina, right? They beat Tampa. Do you think they win the whole thing? Who are they playing in the finals? I don't know because Colorado's another team. I think they'll I they'll close. They'll, I think they'll close out. But yeah. they're another team that's kind of being like they're, they're one series loss away from being designated as another choke team. Mm-hmm. You give me Mike Smith in the finals, and I go six to midnight. <laughs> so you're you're in for an Edmonton. Series. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, I will I will be a huge look, and it's crazy to say. Oh, I, yes, Brian, you want Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl? What the hell is wrong with you? Oh, you want Mike Smith? I want Mike Smith. Yeah, because yeah. you give it that. You know, you know what? You know what? Igor and Mike Smith is. It's Peyton Manning and Rex Grossman. Remember the Super Bowl? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Okay, so you give me that uh, matchup. You give me that Ranger power play on a guy who just let a goal in from the other team's hash mark. I'm good. Book it. I, I would. Mean, be, I, I all my chips are in at that point. Like I am. Like this, this is going to happen. Why not like, us? What, why not us? And Garth is saying the same thing. <laughs> why not us? No team ever in salary cap era has won three straight cups. The best thing that ever happened to the Tampa Bay Lightning was getting swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets because ever since that they they are just. But but think of the think of the think of the storyline the Vince McMahon esque. As, as you know, take on this is they the Rangers end up being the one potentially that ends Tampa's streak after Tampa was the one that ended the song in 2015. Like they owe them one, yeah. Like they owe them one, and Kreider's still there, so he remembers, yeah. Congrats, Messier rematch. I mean. I mean, the NHL would love that because you would have Connor McDavid in the finals against your biggest market in the United yeah. States. So they would love that from a ratings perspective. And I always say this, you know, like, I don't, I don't care how. Like, everybody's like, oh, the Rangers, the, the NHL rigged the lottery to get them left for near. I'm like, you're talking to the wrong guy. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what they do. Rig it. I don't care. You know, if you're going to rig something, rig it for New York to win. So, but yeah, I mean, it, Igor can, Igor can. Sav has one last 
it's it's not that it's I not fear. about fearing Kemper. It's about fearing everything on the offense that they have. Landeskov, Ed, McKinnon, Ed, Edmonton doesn't have a Kale McCarr. No, Edmonton doesn't have anybody in the in the in the vicinity of Kale McCarr. And Edmonton, you talk about McDavid being the best player in the world. No, no disagreement whatsoever. And I love Leon Dreisaitl, but Colorado comes at you in waves. It's Landeskog. It's McKinnon. It's Rantanen. It's like all these top twenty players in the world that just come out and be sure. So I don't think they can be – they can beat Edmonton. They can beat the Edmonton Oilers in a series. So, like, to me, you're, the road opens up tremendously if somehow, some way, Colorado doesn't make it. But I, I think I – think, I, before, the, before the playoffs, I said it would be Tampa-Colorado in the finals and Colorado would win. That, that they would be the one to take down the lightning. That was my pick. So Agreed. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong on at least one side of that prediction at this point. Yeah, or I mean, even Garth with Evander Kane here went from. He's been, yeah. he's been, but he's been. I mean, he's kind of had a resurrection. He has had like 13 points in this playoff race so far. Yeah, but there's two sides to that. One, the Kings are not that good defensively, and two, you're you're, you're the third option. You're like the third or fourth guy, so it's like you you kind of can you know hide a little bit. You were talking about Florida and the salary cap, and I completely agree. Like they went all in this year. Because they had to. Because now you got to find a way out of your goaltender's contract. Good luck, because he stinks. Um, Edmondson's in a similar boat where, like, you can't keep Evander Kane. Like, this is this might be their best shot. Yeah. So, so many of these teams are going are up against the salary cap. It is what it is. I mean, the league's not going to change it. But a lot of these teams are like, you know, this this might be their last best shot. I don't think it's Colorado's last best shot. It might be Edmonton's last best shot though, because right. now again. Connor's making money. Leon's making money. I mean, Darnell Nurse is making money. Like, you know, cap's a cap. But Evander Kane will go, will go somewhere else. But like I said, I, we get there and it's Edmonton. I'm like, you know, all in. Let's go. And granted, yeah. Mike Smith is also 40. So he good. Yes, very good. good. I, I, I hope he has some, uh, uh, you know, hip stiffness. Day of the game. Oh, I can't move. I don't care. I'm 38. I know what that's like. So, you know, Mike Smith's one of the only, only guys in the league older than me. So, yeah, that's fine. Put him in the net. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll take that all day long. We're Mike Gordon is 36. He he learned from 94. So, you know, that's uh, – but You uh, know, it's it, – I don't know. Like, I, I'm I'm obviously a Ranger fan first, right? I know that you guys – I mean, Giants and, and whatever. Hockey's – You know what I am first. <laughs> yeah. No, ho- hockey's just – it's different. It is. And it, it like the emotion and like the way it drains you. Like there's nothing like it. Yeah. And like I was there for game seven and I will, there's nothing like you want to die. Like you just want to die. Like you do not want this to continue. Like this is like your heart is in your, is in your throat for 20 minutes. And it's like, and then it ends. It, it's just, right. there's nothing like playoff hockey to me. I mean, I know that. Oh, not- I agree with that. Game, what was it? I think it was game six last year against Tampa for the Islanders. Pelic diving across in front of the net to save a goal from going into overtime or winning the game. That play lives rent free in my mind forever. You know, so a little story about that you'll appreciate. So, I (laughs) obviously I was rooting heavily against your team, nothing personal, just I I know, I know how it is. And you know, I'm watching it and I'm I'm actually watching it on like I'm watching the game, but I have the DraftKings app up because I know it's like 30 seconds ahead. And it's over. It's an overtime of that game, and it it's, it stops taking the bets. I'm like, oh no, oh no! And then they score. I'm like, so I was unbelievable. Like, Ranger fans are very nervous last year. I'm serious. I like, know. Like, I know. I was. We, we, I um. 
Brian, you have no idea the amount of because I don't. My thing is this: Islander fans. I'm not a. I'm not a negative fan in any way. I don't look to talk trash in any sort of direction. If my team is good, I'm just going to stay quiet until you sure. win the whole thing. I don't look to jump the gun. I don't look to talk crap. None whatsoever. A lot of Ranger buddies that I have as friends because I live here on the island. I'm one of very few uh, of my friend group, at least, that are uh, Islander fans. They, everybody was quiet on social media. They were all quiet the first couple playoff series. The minute, the minute that clock is over in game seven, how do you feel you lost on a shorthanded? You know you would have won if you played Montreal in the cup. It looks like you can't talk about 5-4 anymore because that was, that, that was I guarantee you that was about to run free out of your mouth for the next, I don't even know how many years until the Rangers were able to go, then go tie that and have their opportunity to win a cup. I'm like, man, I haven't even said a word to you. What do you like, <laughs> like, I, haven't, I haven't even said anything to you, no, man. I'm it, just trying to enjoy my team. You know what it is? Like, I, I was. This is taking me back to last year. But, like, yeah. Ranger fans have it out for Islander fans because at some point somewhere in the annals of time, Islander fans were all Ranger fans. Yeah. It, was, it just it broke off yeah. when the team came in. So it's like one of those things where, like, somewhere in the family tree, like somebody was, a, you know, a Judas Somebody like switch switch sides, and you can't have that. Oh, listen, I, I obviously wasn't alive during the time. No, no, no. It, it, but again, in the nineties, Brian, you tell me, was there was there talk of the four three conversation before they won in ninety four or no? Islander fans tortured Ranger fans with nineteen forty for a very long time. <laughs> oh, I mean, the rivalry. I mean, Potvin still sucks, right? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I just Hank, Hank hates that shit. I mean, it's you know what? This is a true story because so I was ten when they won, and I remember first time I heard that I'm like Felix Potvin. Why don't get who? <laughs> I, I had no idea. I had no idea, right? So, but no, I mean, it, look, Ranger Island rivalry. I mean, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, and I again, my first memories of it. I mean, I was I, my I became into hockey like six, seven years old, like so 1990, 1991. But my biggest Islander memory was 1994 when they had the playoff series and the Rangers just obliterated them. It was 22 to three in, in a four game sweep. It was six, nothing, six, nothing, five, one and five, two. And it was like the Rangers hadn't won in Nassau Coliseum in like five years coming into a late March game that year that they won. And then it felt like everything was, was, you know, open after that. But I don't know. I, I don't, no offense, I don't. I'm, I don't mean. I don't, I don't know, mean any ill know. will. I just we're, we're speaking about history. I think there's more ill will towards Philadelphia in general. Oh, I, I hate these people. Yeah. Oh my god, I um, hate these people. Where's my my, my flyer? My losers in seventy five jerseys outside. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> well, uh, I live here. I mean, I, I this, yeah. It's just, you know. Hamilton's not far off the radar for sure. It's no. you're, you're right down there. But Brian, we appreciate you for joining. I appreciate um, you. I this was a lot of fun. Absolutely, and we always love to just chat it up with you when it comes to anything um pleasure to meet you finally at mnc yes. about a month or so ago i felt like more than that but anyway tom um, you were taller than i guessed really yes <laughs> you were taller than me and i always i mean i'm not that tall though no, I, i'm only six feet so well i i, well, really I shouldn't say that. only but <laughs> kyle over here is like six two six three something really? like that dude i'm only like six everybody thinks that for whatever reason is i'm only like six six feet six foot one i just i oh. guess i Stand taller than I actually am. I like to say that I'm five foot ten, but the state of New Jersey says I'm five foot nine on my license. <laughs> well, my license is five ten because I was five ten when I was sixteen, but <laughs> I grew I grew another two inches between then and now. So, like you know, every time you walk into a bar or like you know wherever, like oh, you're five ten. Oh, I look a lot bigger than that now. So. McLovin, this isn't you. That's no, <laughs> yeah. I do love have the that best. movie. Actually, love yeah, that movie. Well. <laughs> 
But uh, Brian, again, where can people find you on the Sports Box and Blue Truth? Yes. Yeah, so I, I be, we're mostly a football show on Tuesday nights, so highly opinionated. So I've been taking a little bit of a leave of absence from that, but I am keeping up with the Blue Truth page. Um, so you know, it's at Sports Box Show for Sports Box at Blue Truth SB. Um, you know, for for Blue Truth. Actually, if you like it, my my wife is in the t-shirt business, and she happened to custom do a. Uh, ranger like like a name shirt here if you like to buy one, you let me know I'll, I'll i'll talk to her for you get you a good deal um but no it's you know, you know just keeping up with, with with the rangers it's a great year um you know i i don't know where it's going to end i'm more bullish on the team now than i was four days ago so well <laughs> it's game five is it's so key it's if they win game five carolina is just shell-shocked at that point. yeah because then they would have lost their first game at home. Then they have to go win a game in New York. Which would be the, essentially their first home win if they do win. Uh, away win if they do win. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it. And I, again, I think the world of Carolina. Like, I really thought the Rangers would lose a series in, in somewhat short. and It hasn't materialized. Absolutely. I, I think game five is what the series is going to come down to. Whoever wins game five wins the series, in my opinion. I, I think Carolina needs it way more than the Rangers do. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. I think to, to, to stop the bleeding, for one. But then, again, if you lost three in a row, you end up going to New York and you have to win when you haven't won a road game all playoffs. The Rangers can win this series and lose game five. Carolina can't win this series and lose game five, in my opinion. Agreed. I agree 100%. But, Brian, one of the biggest Ranger fans I know has his own Rangers man cave. Uh, let's go, Rangers. I was actually I was actually recognized at the game yesterday. Are you the man cave guy? I'm like, where, where are you? Oh, that's awesome. Uh, that, that, I always enjoy that. That's awesome. Uh, but Brian, we'll have to talk to you again yeah. very soon about the Rangers and uh, can't thank you enough for joining the show. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of your night and hope Tom's freezing a little bit. Somehow tonight. pull off an upset. There you go. But, like uh, I said, I guys, see it anyway. pleasure is all on the side of the table. <laughs> so let's go Rangers. All right. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Let's have go real man. That was Brian Attard from the Sports Box and Blue Truth hosts his own Rangers podcast. And we'll actually uh, get a live uh, check-in on that other hockey game happening right now. I think it is officially underway. The Avalanche right lead one nothing midway through the first. And, Not good for the Blues. Uh, again, we talked about this all with Brian just briefly. In case you didn't know, Avs are up 3-1. to one. Again, Kadri with the hat trick the other night in game four. Uh, game five is tonight. Uh, I don't see the Blues winning this one. And then the other series, you got Calgary and Edmonton, the Battle of Canada. Edmonton won game four, five to three. Nugent Hopkins and Kane each with two goals. Mike Smith did have 29 saves, but he is the one goalie that I think I would love to see if I'm a Rangers fan. If they do end up making it to the cup, um, I don't know, man. Kyle, it just seems Cal- Calgary is like. In the playoffs, they just fall flat every year. It's just I don't know. I don't know what happened to them. Talk about another offensively dominant team. They had like four guys this season that had over forty goals, Mm -hmm. which was like absolute insanity. And they just, they're just uh, they're struggling mightily, and I don't understand the reason why. Especially against an Edmonton team, which again, Drysaddle stepped up. Obviously, not stepped up. He's tremendous. We know McDavid's tremendous. And they've had some key figures in some cases for Edmonton, like a Nugent Hopkins. Obviously, Evander Kane has been great. But their goaltending is nothing so flashy. So for them to be struggling the way that they are, in meaning in Calgary, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling, to be quite honest with you. 
It is. Um, St. Louis, Garth brings up a good point. Bennington not playing. That's huge. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely take the avalanche tonight yeah. to wrap that up. But you never know. Edmonton, I think, takes down Calgary as well. It's unfortunate, Kyle. But, again, like you just mentioned, they're they're flat. They're yeah. flat. Yeah. Um, for me, the only thing in person that compares to playoff hockey is college football venues like the Swamp. And, Garth, um, I'm actually planning, not, not officially yet, but planning on seeing the Georgia-Florida game this year in Jacksonville with Garth and Noah. For that well, week. that'd be a fun little trip. I do plan on going to TIAA Bank Field or Bank State or whatever the hell it's called now. Um, yeah, so you know, we're not going in the hot tubs though, Garth. It's not. It's not happening. Uh, but I do plan on seeing both of you there. Maybe we'll uh, tag team up and sit with each other. Well, yeah, we'll figure something out. But uh, yeah, that's going to be great. And moving on, um, you know, Kyle, we do have a few minutes left in the show, and. <laughs> I want to talk about the Mets and the Yankees. Obviously, I was at the Yankee game on Sunday, but let's talk about the Mets first. Um, absolutely dis- disgusting loss today and a heartbreaker last night in what could have been the game of the year up to this point. They ended up losing 13-12, to 12, but Chris Bassett started the game. And granted, Chris Bassett was an all-star last year, rightfully yep. so. Man gives up eight runs in four plus innings, earned two. So the Mets are down eight to two in the seventh inning. They score seven runs in the eighth inning. Francisco, I finally took my foot out of my ass. Lindor has a bases clearing three run triple to get the Mets a 10 8 lead. Lindor had a homer and six RBIs last night. Yeah. But the real story of the game was Jock Peterson. Three homers, seven, eight RBIs. Lestella had three. I mean, granted, the bottom of the ninth is where it fell apart because Peterson and Crawford each had an RBI single. That won the Giants the game. But my gosh, Kyle, did you get to catch any of this game? I caught a little bit of the end. I, I saw that it was all the way at, um, it was at, I, I think the, the Mets were leading 12 to 11. And I was like, wow, what, what a high scoring game. Either the, yeah. The pitching has been terrible, or the or the batting has just been terrific, and it really wasn't a, even that the batting was so terrific in favor of the Giants. It was just that Jock Peterson decided to carry the whole team on his back. Tom, you mentioned all the the, uh, the stat line for Jock Peterson in this game, uh, something as well. Thirteen total bases for Jock Peterson, so just absolutely insanity um, by the Giants to come back and win this game, and really just um, again haven't watched the Mets as closely this year. Uh, but no, they are probably the best team as far as record-wise right now in the National League. I believe they are the only team in the National League to have 30 wins, I believe they have. They're, they're at 29. Still. They're at 29, so they haven't hit the 30 marker yet, but I think they are the closest team to be uh, potentially at the 30-win marker. But Chris Bassett has been pretty solid all year, so this was probably, uh, not even probably, definitely his worst adding, uh, outing all year. And he's our best starting pitcher left that's healthy, and that's concerning. That is yeah. concerning, and I hate to say this. I hate to be the pessimistic Mets fan, but I'm going to do it. It's coming. The, the downfall is coming. None of these three pitchers are close to returning. McGill isn't close, and he's probably the closest one. Scherzer's done for two months. DeGrom 
probably after the All-Star break. They say he's progressing, but who the hell knows? We're sitting here at 29 and 17, and I feel like we're 17 and 29. That's how I feel. Yeah, it's, uh, personally, we're only this good because of the incompetence of the National League East. The Phillies can only beat the Dodgers for some reason. That's the only team they can beat. The Marlins are overperforming right now. Good young team, but they're not there yet. The Nationals are atrocious, and the Atlanta Braves just haven't hit their stride yet. They don't. They haven't gotten Soroka back. I, I think if if and when they get him back, they'll be an improved team. I'm still scared of the Braves. I'm scared of the. I mean, look, Shapucky today. I mean, look, give up two home runs bad. to Evan Longoria. I'm sorry, nine runs in like an inning and a third. Awful, yeah. awful performance. And I, I get it. This was the first real hit and miss as far as pitchers that Buck has just thrown into the fire. Like he threw David Peterson into the fire. Yeah, the first game of the series that they won. Six good innings from him. Mm-hmm. But we knew David Peterson was at least decent because of what he did yeah. in 2020. He was the Mets' second-best starter behind the grunt. Yeah. But now you're looking at this team and saying, wow, the bullpen is better than the starting pitching, and the bullpen is our damn weakness. Yeah, Ooh. up until – I mean, really up until that game last night about Edwin Diaz, he was, he's been pretty solid this season. It's pretty solid. I mean, Adovino's had his had his struggles. I know Trevor May isn't Trevor May hurt. Tre- Lugo, Trevor May, Lugo Trevor May doesn't have a spine. He's I, I can't Lugo see. has been pretty terrible all year. Yeah, hasn't been the same since the injury. No, you know? but I will say this because Tom, you you kind of bringing up a uh, kind of a, a scenes of the future type prediction uh, is that. You know, they have a kind of easy way out of the, the month of May, a couple games against Washington, a couple games against Philly. You look at June, that's like – It's coming up. That's uh, you, San Diego, Angels, Dodgers, Brewers. Astros. Astros twice. That's uh, – I, I, I mean, if they don't have the pitching, that's going to be a very di- – I mean, listen, the difference between – I would say this in terms of the confidence, in terms of the pessimism is that I think you could agree with the fact that at least they are hitting a million times better than they oh, have yeah. in the past. Runners in scoring position, outstanding. So, I mean, as long as they're not having a game like they had at a Bassett last night where he's given eight runs and four innings, and they're having out of – I'm not even going to bother to pronounce his name because I'm going to butcher it. But whoever the starting pitcher who was a, a – as far as I know, and according to what you had told me, this was like a debut for him. Shapucky. Yeah, Shapucky, yeah. as long as he didn't give up nine runs in an inning, or any pitcher doesn't give up nine runs in a first inning of pitching – I think you guys, as long as your bats are performing the way that they are, you guys should be able to kind I, I would assume kind of stick it out until the month of July where you should start to get some of these guys back. But the, the problem that I have is obviously McNeil ran into a wall today. We don't know the status of him. He has a knee contusion, so I don't know what that means, but that probably means he's going to miss some, a couple games. So now because Travis Jankowski, J.D. Davis are going to get more playing time. Um, yeah. You know, they're talking about – trading potentially J.D. or Dom Smith for another arm, which, quite frankly, they could use at this point. Um, I still think the D.H. position is a weakness for the Mets. Um, I think the starting pitching, unfortunately, is now a weakness because of the injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, you still have Trevor Williams, who's spot starting for you now, which I don't like. The, well, you guys the, got Taiwan Walker still, right? He's not hurt. 
He's not bad. Uh, last year, I think he was very getting hit hard the whole year. The difference was the first half of the season, the defense was bailing him out. The second half yeah. of the season, he was just getting smashed. He's a guy who pitches the contact. Um, I mean, Pete Alonso's playing great, right? You know, yeah. he's, he's been outstanding. 11 fingers, 41 ribbies. Second highest in the league in RBIs, I think. So but behind, I think it's Jose Ramirez is the other guy. Um, but, man, I mean, you made Evan Longoria look like 2009 Evan Longoria today. Um, old I'm Tampa sorry. Bay this Rays, is Evan Longoria. This is, this is – can the Mets survive to July? That's the problem because the meat – of the schedule is upcoming, as you said. Can they survive the long West Coast trip? With a with a seven and a half game lead, I think you should be able to, right? Realistically. I mean, as long as you close out May nicely with some wins, you pick up a couple you should win the games against Washington and should win a few a couple of the games against Philadelphia. We haven't swept the series all all year. That's been three games or more. Yeah. We haven't swept anybody. We've lost to every team that we've played three games or more everyone's like oh the Mets haven't lost the series until mid-May uh, you haven't swept the one yet either I mean listen again you should win a couple more games hopefully that puts you in a better position and again in, in watching a few games uh, with Atlanta and watching a few games with Philadelphia they just can't I, I just don't know what the problem is with either of these teams because these teams are way too talented to be underperforming the way that they are and granted the Mets have deserved every uh every right and be calling one of the best teams, not only in baseball, but the best team in the NL uh, this year. And and the record speaks for it. But now that that guaranteed win is absentee now with Scherzer and the bullpen starting to go bad a little bit, the rest of the arms are, are all injured at the same time in McGill and the Grom again, really, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, Whereas, like, is there any end in sight? Like, I don't even know if he's gonna. Is he gonna be back after All Star break? Is he gonna be back before? I haven't. I haven't heard anything. I haven't really read any updates. But who knows? Um, so, how can you even count on his return? Yeah. But again, the difference is, is that the bats are performing at a way. Be- again, if you're talking about last year Mets team and you're missing this many pitchers, I would say yeah, you're you're, you're toast. But seven and a half game lead. Other teams haven't hit their strides yet. I don't know what's going on. Obviously, it's early in the season. Atlanta kind of had the same thing last year, but they wound up winning the World Series, so who knows? But as long as you guys are able to sustain a decent enough lead, I think you guys should be fine. I really wouldn't be that concerned because if we've learned anything, especially about Philadelphia, is that talk about a team in baseball that underachieves year in and year out based on the talent that they have on their roster. Again, everybody complains about their bullpen, but they're way too talented to not be even hitting 500 record-wise in a season the way that they have these past couple years. Those are all good points and valid points, too. And James, yeah. with the comment, Mets love to suck you in and rip your heart out at the very end. Um, and he agrees with me there. I do like Colin Holderman, though. I think he's been a nice addition to the bullpen. He's been a good bright spot for them. And the additions of Starling Marte and Mark Hanha. He's been, the they've line. been excellent. They've been excellent. And everyone wants to talk about Lindoro. Oh, he had a six RBI game. He's not hitting better than Nimmo. He's not hitting better than McNeil. He's not hitting better than Pete. I mean, give the credit to the guys who are making less money out there. I mean, the guy you're paying 10 years, 300-plus million dollars, isn't even one of your four or five best hitters on the team. He just puts up numbers. That's what he does. He he puts up the flashy stats that brings the people from Corona into the stadium. That's what he's good for. Um, I'm happy he's playing better. 
But at the same time, can he keep this up consistently? Because they're going to need to re- rely on him. They're going to need to sure rely on him. I sure hope so, right? I sure hope so. But um, again, I think they'll be able to sustain it. We'll see what happens. Again, June is going to be rough, rough, no doubt about it. But they, they, they're not going to, again, they're just not going to completely fall apart. And even if they do, Tom, even if they do, they're seven, they have a seven and a half game lead. So even if they do completely fall out in June, maybe they'll only be what? A game or two back of first place, which is still salvageable. We know that. It's salvageable. So, but I mean, you look at 2008. Seven game lead over the Phillies with seventeen left in the year. You're right. Tom listen, Glavin gives up seven runs in one inning. I listen. I'll. I like to complain about your pessimism about the Mets, but you have an a, a intelligent rebuttal and a real life experience to rebuttal it and refute the argument. So I, I won't argue with facts. I won't. So the the problem is it happens all the time. You know, like I can read between the lines of this 29 and 17 record. If the Mets get past June and July, I would happily eat my words on a fork. In fact, I would rather do that than be correct. Yeah. Listen, dude, May hits, June hits, and everybody on the Mets hits the uh, injured list. Injured list. I don't, I just, it doesn't make any sense, but historically that has been the case. And I, I don't get why. But I, I don't. I'll, I'll never at least, understand. At least this time of year, they have built themselves such a substantial lead that it gives them a little cushion during a time of uh, injury, and they won't lose games due to poor management, which is probably bad of me to say because today you could argue that they kept Shapucky in there for too long. But again, first start, I'm not going to blame Buck solely for that. He's he's been a real good manager for us, and he's a pure upgrade over what we've had in the past i mean we've had pretty much band-aids as our managers yeah to say the least but Mm -hmm. moving on to the slightly better team in new york not by (laughs) much but they're they're still better uh yankees i don't know if you saw actually went to the game uh sunday night um the doubleheader i went to the nightcap i only stayed for like three innings because i was working during the day yeah and then i met up with um my friends at Billy's right up, right across the street. And, you know, the girlfriend wanted to leave. Friends wanted to leave work the next day. You know how the Sunday scaries are. Oh yeah. yeah. And the Yankees, uh, it, that, that game ended up going to the ninth inning. And then the Yankees had a little, what was it? A mini three game losing streak. And then they finally won the 30th game. I think they, so they yeah. lost their last, yeah, they lost, they lost the last the two Sox. games against the White Sox and lost against the Baltimore yeah. Orioles in a miserable type fashion in a top of the ninth inning sack fly, and it was just it was just it just wasn't fun. And especially being that again, the Orioles they are a professional baseball team, but again, the designated note with them is that they they're a pretty easy win, and the fact that the Yankees have struggled mightily with them this year i think they're even though it's a winning record they're seven and four against them and when you look back at the schedule you know when it comes to months like july and august and things start getting tighter you're going to look at all these games that you lost against the orioles and say to yourself how do we do this why why but again they've they've kind of they salvaged themselves they had a terrific game last night again even though they gave a boatload of runs to the orioles they had to go into extra innings into the bottom of the 11th and uh they won off of Jose Trevino, 
a single to left and which sent uh, Isaiah kind of left a home, which uh, was a nice little surprise because Trevino, again, they've kind of been interchangeable with catchers this year between Higashioka and Trevino. Uh, Trevino has been really, really good defensively, and he's had some clutch moments for the Yankees uh, this year. So good things to see out of this Yankees ball club again. But just like your Mets, Tom, they're, uh, they're all hitting the injury bug uh time of season all at the same time they went from the best pitching staff in baseball all around not just i, I don't want to say rotation but even yeah. bullpen included to now you are losing chad green to tommy john Luis gill i think is done for the year with tommy john uh jonathan loisega just got placed on the il chapman just got placed on the il um uh, both joey gallo and uh Josh Donaldson are on the IL. Giancarlo Stanton just got put on the IL. So everybody is getting hurt at the worst possible time. Again, granted, I talked about defending the Mets a little bit, having that seven and a half game lead. The Yankees have a nice lead themselves, the top of the uh, the top of the AL. But again, the months in the beginning of the season when you um, when you play these games, especially coming up, because. Tom, as you know, I, I've joked about it for years now. The Yankees can beat whoever, except for the Tampa Bay Rays. They're going into a series in a couple of ga- uh, days against the Tampa Bay Rays for the first time this year. We'll see how they beat them because as crazy as it sounds, you know, everybody predicted, including myself, Toronto to be a star-studded team, Boston to be that team to look out for as well after the addition of Story. They've kind of been an upset. But Tampa is the team riding the Yankees' coattails right now, only four and a half games back, and they're coming into a series right now in which the Yankees have lost – four of their last six games so uh stuff to be concerned about especially because a decent amount of the pitching staff which was helping them win games is now out so we're gonna see it's gonna be a true testament of how well they can play because i'll uh as we know in sports if you can't beat the teams within your own division you're not gonna be going anywhere so if they can't beat the rays it's gonna be uh it's gonna be rough yeah the Rays have been your kryptonite, and Hank says we're still going to stands one day. Yeah, I'd love to go to stands, Hank. Um, and DJ was scratched from the lineup yesterday, had a wrist discomfort. Yeah, I forgot about him uh, too. He's uh, yeah. he's dealing with some injury stuff as well. So uh, yeah. it's not it's not looking good right now for the Yankees, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Not looking good. But another thing as well, uh, Jordan Montgomery too. Again, he's not injured, but this season – and don't quote me on this. I think with the exception of the game last uh, last night or the night before that, every game in which he's pitched, the Yankees have lost. Again, it hasn't necessarily been designated as a Jordan Montgomery loss, but every game that he's pitched, they've lost. So yeah. and Garrett Cole's also struggled too this year, which is uh, kind of frightening. Yeah. Um, Montgomery did look good last night in six strong innings, but the Yankees did wind up losing this game. Um, Trevino did have three RBIs, which was good to see. You know, you're going to be relying on these younger guys like Trevino, like a Torres. I mean, you still have Aaron Judge, who is the catalyst of the Yankees team. That's the first name you think of just Unbelievable. every time. Unbelievable. He's been incredible what he's done this year. His home run pace is outstanding. Pardon me. And, you know, you're going to be relying on guys like Marwin Gonzalez. You know, guys Listen, like He's him. had some good games, too, and could play the outfield nicely as a uh, utility player. But, uh yeah, it's 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 going to get uh again come the month of June and July that's going to be the true testament of this team because again unfortunately uh unlike some of your guys Tom in the in the pitching rotation your guys will be back 
these Yankees guys, the, the guys that were helping them out tremendously in the beginning of the season, yeah. in the month of April and May, they're not, they're not coming back. They're done for the rest of the year. Well, Miguel and Duhar was called up as well. Familiar name. Yeah. Hopefully this is a nice resurrection opportunity for him. You can really use that. Hopefully. Because um, he was good when they first called him up. Yeah, him and, uh, him and Torres, when they called him up in the same year, they were absolutely incredible as uh, cool. rookies. And, and really hopefully, again, kind of lost his spot because of the uh, DJ LeMahieu acquisition yeah. and the fact that you know he kind of lost that third base role. In fact, I think he played the outfield the other night. But he's going to be a uh, he's going to be a guy to look out for, especially because of how many injuries are on this team. And Hank's bringing up the fun fact: the 2018 doubles leader for the Yanks, Miguel Andujar. It's fantastic, insane to really think about. Um, you could really use Clint Frazier right now. I would. I would. <laughs> that was a joke. Couldn't necessarily find his footing in New York, but um, yeah. but they uh, listen again. Another team that's built a lead. Yeah, they played some very, very excellent baseball. Just uh, need to get healthy, right? Well, speaking of Induhar, he had the uh, first RBI of the game tonight. RBI single, there you go. Field that scored Aaron Judge. Yankees currently lead the Orioles two nothing, and Duhar and Torres each have driven in runs. Torres, well, he didn't really drive in a run. It was a throwing error by Rushman. Like the hot labeled catcher prospect everybody's talking about in the majors. But Kyle, let's go to the mound and talk about who's making his first MLB start tonight. It's not like he hasn't pitched for the Yankees before. I believe he's appeared in two games, but JP Sears makes his first MLB start tonight and through five innings, Kyle, remarkable, remarkable performance from JP Sears, five innings pitched, no runs, three hits, five strikeouts, and only two walks. Now, he has thrown 84 pitches. But that That is great for a first-time MLB starter through five innings. Incredible. 26 years old, 5'11", 170. And, yeah, he's looked really good. He hasn't given up a run this season. So, again, only 30 they need it because we want to talk about, you know, your strengths being your weaknesses going to the season. The bullpen was a strength. Now it's a weakness just because yeah. out of complete, uh, completely decimated. They, they, they just don't, they don't have anybody to go to. It's Clay Holmes and uh, really nobody right now. King? King King is there. Forgot about King. And, and Peralta hasn't been that. It's been okay. Mm-hmm. But – you know, you're losing Chapman, who you're paying to be your closer. Not that he was very good this year. You're losing Loisago. You're losing Green, who was your seventh, eighth inning guy. Yeah. Um, Luis Gill, who could have been worked in potentially as a starter or uh, uh, as a starting pitcher or potentially even a, a relieving type guy, maybe in a fifth or sixth inning. But again, they got to get it from somewhere. And uh, happy to see that they're getting it here in this game against the Orioles because, again, like I said before, in regards to the Orioles having a 7-4 record on the season against them so far, you need to win the games that you're supposed to win uh, in order to keep the division lead, especially in a very competitive division in which the Yankees are in in the American League uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays, with the Tempe Rays. And again, I don't think Boston is completely out of it yet, even though they're in the fourth seed right now, but it's very, very deep, that division. So we'll see what happens, but need to win the games you're supposed to. I still think Boston's a huge threat. They're the hottest team in baseball right now. They've won six in a row. They're up tonight, one nothing early 
Um, you know, as of right now, they're right there with the White Sox for the seventh seed in the AL. And I know this is very early to be talking about this, but there's still plenty of baseball left. And Trevor Story is finally getting hot with his bat. So that does not bode well for the Yankees moving forward. They have to find solutions quickly. And uh, just a live update on your Miami Heat, Kyle Russo, uh, trailing 11 to 6, uh, midway through, oh my God. Am I reading that correctly? 518 left in the first quarter, and the Heat have six points. I'm telling you, man. They can't they what? can't get any. Yep, Jimmy point. has two points. Bam has four. Jimmy's one of seven from the I'm, field. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. They just it's they done. can't get it's done. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. It's it done. was uh listen, I hope I'm eating my I'll eat my words, but it's just uh they're just getting nothing out of anybody, and you can't do that in a series against Boston where you can get points basically out of everybody, yeah. almost on a guaranteed level. I was going to say it would be a nice graduation gift if the Miami Heat go back to the NBA Finals. But Yes, it would. Yes, it would. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I'll take the Eastern Conference Finals. I'll take it. I appreciate everybody for tuning in tonight. I know we went the two full hours, Kyle and myself. Brian is great, you know, always chopping up hockey with him. He's awesome. Excellent, excellent Ranger discussion. Oh, yeah. And make sure to go check him out on Blue Truth, uh, his New York Rangers exclusive channel, if you're a Rangers fan, and check out the Sports Box as well. Um, Our main partner now on all podcasting platforms, you know, we do a lot of good work with them. So, but Kyle, Tonight was kind of your night, uh, you know, graduating college. And, appreciate it. Um, appreciate you joining me, having you back. This is awesome, you know. And, uh, yeah, I'll let you close it out here. Any, anything you want to add? Good to be back. Uh, very happy to be back. Again, took a little hiatus. I think it was about two or three weeks I missed. But um, happy to be back. Looking forward to what the summer brings uh, for review and preview as now a uh, – now a a remaining active participant once again back in the show so exciting things ahead happy to be back and uh it's always fun to talk sports chop it up on a wednesday evening with the guys love it missed it uh writing a bunch of papers missed it definitely much rather would have been doing this but um happy to be back for sure absolutely and we're thrilled to have you back and folks make sure to go check us out on all of our social media platforms on instagram twitter facebook and youtube at review and preview we are now on tiktok as well um, with Hank spitting out the fun facts. Speaking of Hank, make sure to tune in to Hitting for the Cycle tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on Facebook Live. Uh, Hank will be having a, another good guest on the show, which we won't tell you yet, but um, Hank is great doing some good stuff. Again, that's tomorrow, Thursday at 7. He'll go more into depth about the Yankees, about the MLB itself, who's hot, who's not. But folks, thank you very much for watching here tonight, and we'll see you next week here on Review and Preview.